Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission, to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. Right, today guys, we've got another barnstormer, a true entrepreneurial journey to record uh, this is literally like the equivalent of the Australian dream, I'd call it. We've got Danny Grant, who's, who's owner of 80, 80 Proof Liquor. He created the wet pussy of all, of, of all drinks throughout this lockdown, right? It's, a, it's an unbelievable story, that one. But he also owns Empire Nightclub and Cha-Cha's, and, and his whole nightclub journey has been a massive, massive learning curve for him as well. Buying his first nightclub at 26 years old. He's done bits. He's been down. He's been out. He's come back. And this is going to be um, a true entrepreneurial story that you guys can all resonate with. I, I truly believe it. Danny, mate, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Frankie. How are you? Mate, I, I, mate I'm, I'm buzzing about this. I'm buzzing about this because this, this, this is what, when, when you reached out to me and, and, and we can't, I kind of understood what you'd, what you'd achieved in the last, just the last year alone. Like it's just, you know, being nearly, you know, when, when COVID wiped you out and wiped out the nightclubs and that, you obviously had to pivot and all that stuff and we're going to go yeah. into that. But I think before we go into, into that and, what, and how you've blown up in the drink space, I think the best place to start is like, you know, how do you even get into the position to be able to buy a nightclub at 26 years old? Like, give me a bit of a, give us a, give the audience a bit of an insight into your, into your journey to get to that point. Well, to be honest, like growing up, my family didn't have a lot of money. So I, unfortunately I wasn't one of those kids that sort of got given um, everything on a silver platter. So yeah. growing when I was a kid, I sort of quickly realized that things weren't going to get given to me because my family didn't have much cash. My mum was a single mom. We had, my, she ended up marrying my stepdad. He didn't have that great of a wage. My mum didn't work, blah, blah, blah. So from that point, in a, in a sense, it's almost like a bittersweet, but I kind of figured out that if I wanted something, I had to figure out how to do it myself. So from when I was like eight or nine years old, I was washing cars. Like I used to knock on people's um, doors and just be like, hey, look, if I wanted to buy football cards or something like that, I'd be like, um, I'll wash a car for five bucks and then I sort of start to make my own money. That yeah, was good yeah. and bad. I obviously did some good things. I obviously did some bad things in that journey. But um, eventually I kind of came good and I sort of figured out how to make um, money in a better way and sort of how to, I guess, pivot all the skills that I'd learned throughout that journey into doing stuff positively. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because we can all get taken down the wrong path, um, especially, especially in like suburban cities and that, like suburbia. Yeah, for me, it was, yeah, it was definitely like a fine line. I could have gone either way, but I, I happily, for, for my journey that I didn't, and I kind of went the, the, the right way. Did you, did, but, you, uh, did you ever get in much trouble as a kid? Yeah, plenty, man. Like a lot of, um, just like normal stuff for kids. Like I was always sort of, a lot of, I don't know, it's hard to say, but like a, a kind of some assault stuff and, and um, some early days, some like, break and enter things and stuff like that so it wasn't unusual that the police would come knocking at the door to sort of see me but it was something that I was sort of um used to because my family had been that way yeah so if it wasn't for me it was for mum or my sisters or whatever yeah and so um it was something that we were accustomed to because that's kind of the way I grew up but um you know you, saying that, you know you know because you grew up Danny that way like how did you go about breaking that mindset of be of being involved in that because obviously you, you you are a product of your environment and i try and tell people on the podcast all the time like if you surround yourself with a certain type of person you are going in that direction you're going to be in in that kind of space you know so obviously 
your fa- your fam your family were you know doing a few naughty things here there and everywhere you know a bit of breaking a bit of entering all this kind of stuff like how do you how did you how did you break away from that when that was your environment and and what kind of what kind of made you pivot and think fucking hell there's a better way than this uh, like honestly it was sort of I was doing a mix of things like I was as I said washing cars and stuff and then I was stealing alcohol from houses and stuff like that like different things like that and I was selling it to school blah 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 and at, at a point I kind of realized that that money. There was no longevity in it. It was just like a quick grab, like grab and you kind of move on. And my family, I just got sick of it, man. Like there's, there's so many times that you can eat sausages and, and um, mashed potatoes. And I was like sort of 16, 17. And I'm like, fuck this. Like I just dropped out of school. I was like drinking all the time, smoking marijuana, like doing all the things that I was supposed to do. So that was sort of like the, the, the lane that I was supposed to drive down. And then I just remember it was like a, just a pivotal point where I was like, I went to the city. So I, I was originally from like out up north um, of Victoria. Yeah, yeah. And I came back down to visit some aunt and uncles and stuff. And um, I was helping them paint a house and they sort of lived normally. And my house was like chaotic. There was always drinking and people coming and going. And it was like, you could do whatever you wanted. And it was like, you could have a party on a Tuesday night till one o'clock in the morning if you wanted. Yeah. So I sort of saw that normality. And, and then... Something resonated in me where I was like, well, there's a better life. Like, there's a better way of doing this. And I don't want to continue to, to kind of create and develop this circle for my own kids and for myself moving forward. And then I got a taste of that. And then from there, I was like, all right, well, I sort of my whole perspective changed. So instead of like the quick dash and grab, and don't get me wrong, I still fell into in and out of it and did stupid things the whole way along until I probably hit 21. Yeah. Um, but then I got to a point where I was like, fighting wasn't really getting me anywhere so every time i got in a fight all i did was get in trouble i'd get banned i'd lose jobs i'd do all these things so i was like okay well that doesn't make any sense anymore and all the other stuff i was doing was just like it came with a bad outcome but all the positive things i was doing were coming with great outcomes so and i was lucky like i I met a girl and she sort of gave me sort of solid foundation some solid foundations and her family were different than mine so they grew up the, the opposite and i sort of was like well this is what i want like this is how i want to do that so I sort of just used all those things, good and bad, that I'd learned over those last 14, 15 years of like growing up, and I put them all into the right energy. I pushed forward and I started to make success. So for me, man, it was like, put my head down. I'm lucky. Like most people had to go like work in a factory or do whatever. I luckily was sort of in this thing where I was nightclubbing flat out. I was meeting people, networking, and and I guess because of the way I'd grown up, I'd always like love to be out and love to socialize and stuff. So... For me, I was like, um, I fell into it almost. But the thing that, the dif- I guess, the differentiation between me and others that fell into it is that I really quickly figured out how to make proper money from it. So yeah, I sort yeah, of yeah. fell into it. And I was like, cool, all right. So I was getting, say, $3 a guest list um, for working for a club. And like within two months, I, I remember they had these like prizes. And if you did the most amount of numbers, you'd win like a slab or a limo for you and your friends or whatever. And I was sort of like, fuck, like, I started doing the mass backwards and I'm like, these dudes are killing it. Like they're making serious cash off me. Like this is what I'm bringing in. This is my portion. And because I'd sort of done those simple masses before selling cigarettes or washing cars or doing whatever. Yeah. And um, I was like, so I was like, I reckon I'm going to try and do this myself. And I did. So I literally walked up the road, knocked on the door of a club and I was like, hey, like I've got people that I can bring here. Um, Can I take the money from the door? And then you take the money from the bar. And the guy was like, yeah. So I've, I made some really quick money, and, and like anybody who grew up like me, I wasted a lot of money at the start. So, what, what, what were you wasting the money on? Like drugs, drink, all, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, just stupid shit, man. Like, I remember one time I bought a boat, like, just for no reason. So, I was just like, as soon as it came into my hand, I was getting rid of it. Like, I would just grab like clumps of cash and just take it out and just party. What, like, what, I had... what kind of money were you generating each week doing that? 
Dude, I remember I was doing these one events. It was like I was bringing in like 15 to 20K per event. So they were like every six weeks. So I was bringing in, I'd hate to even do the maths on it. Like I was bringing in some serious cash when I was younger from doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But per, on a week, I'd say anywhere between, it could be the other way where I'd make 400 bucks, but there was also weekends where I'd make 5,000. And I was only like 20, 21, yeah. And so I was just spending it like, on, like anything you can think of that you should, like you can spend money in excess, I was doing. So I was like, I remember playing like Tekken, man, like Tekken the video game. And I'd pump like three, 400 bucks into that a week, just playing Tekken at the local like, pinball parlor. Like anything that I could do, I was just like, easy come, easy go. Because I'd never been taught like financial smarts, if that yeah. makes sense. So for me, it was like in my family, like if we had any sort of windfall, it was go party or go or go buy shit we don't need. Or like that's how we live. 100%, we had, man. Yeah, and then that was like a really big thing for me was when I moved. So I actually got kicked out of school. Um, and then I sort of did nothing for six months and like smoking marijuana, rah, rah. And then my family sort of got a gutful of me from back there, which is a big, big feat. But they were like, all right, you've got to move on. So I moved on to the city, so Melbourne. And when I started, so I didn't work for a bit there and I was sort of just like flopping around, not doing much. And then um, I originally was like, fuck this. I don't want to work this hard. Like I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning, working at this window factory. And I was like, this sucks. Like what's my options here? Um, go back to school. Like that seems to be an easier route. So my auntie sort of figured out a way to get me back into school. But when I went to that school, I sort of met people who had, they were financially better off than the people I'd grown up with, like where I lived. Is, is that so because you changed sides of the cities kind of thing? So like you're you, you seeing a different side of, different side of the coin and how I other people I use this as an lived. example, man. I think you'll find this interesting. But when I was growing up in the town that I grew up in, the conversations that were, were being had were like how to evade tax, um, how to get more money from Centrelink, how to, get, how to say that you divorced your husband so you can get paid more money for single mother's allowance. Like, they were the conversations. Yeah. Whereas when I moved down to where I was living after, when I was 18, yeah. um, 16 to 18, the conversations were like, how to, how to make more money from the money that you saved, how to... How um, to invest. Invest your cash, how to... Like, they were the conversations. So the conversations were so different. And to be honest, if I hadn't have gotten that trouble, been expelled, kicked out of home, rah, rah, and this is the thing with me, like my whole life is bittersweet. And as we go through this story, it'll be the same. It's like every time something bad happens to me, it's like something good comes from it. Does uh, that make sense? So, I just want to, I just want to drill into that, to, into that, Danny, because like, I think it's so important that the audience picks up on what you've just said there, because you've, you've, you've just basically, you've basically done what I did because yeah. I changed on my environment. You know, I, I thought I'm not happy in this job in the UK. I don't want to be a carpenter anymore. I can't achieve so, certain things in this sport or do this or do this, do this that I want. I've bought the house, I've done the thing, I've got the mortgage, I've got the sports car, I've got all that on the driveway, and I still feel like unfulfilled. Yeah. So I thought, how can I expand my mindset? Okay, I'm going to go to Australia, I'm going to, I'm going to open my mind up. Now, f- some people are in friend groups and in, a- around people at this moment in time where they're not able to, f- to, to fully expand and take the blinkers off and open their mindset yeah. because of the environment they surround themselves with. And, and the, 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 the conscious thing that I want everyone to identify from this is the fact that you can choose to be in any environment that you wish to be in. Like sure. that's essentially what Danny's done. He's like, look, this environment is only, is only just causing me shit and problems and drama and everything like that. If I just move the environment over here, now my mind's, I've taken these horse blinkers off and I'm open my mindset to it. And it's, that's some powerful shit. If you just, if you just see how simple it is, to, you can change your life in literally 48 hours. Is that, is, that's what I'm trying to say to people, you know? 
I 100% agree, man. And, like, that's the thing for me. As I said, like, obviously me doing that was force of circumstance. Like, I didn't want to do that. But I look back at it now, it was the best thing. But in saying that, it's all not all, like, um, flowers and roses in a sense. Like, I still did the same shit again. So, like, I kind of went back there, met these people, went to school, met these other dudes who were fucking up. I continued to fuck up with them. I was sort of going, leaning that way again. So it wasn't just like I, I like, had a holy wash and got baptized and I was sweet. It's like I continued to play that road for a little. And then it was only when I got to, say, 2021, when I was like, this, I'm doing this, I'm repeating the same fucking thing again, like, for no reason. And I think it's because you become a creature of circumstance. And to be in those situations becomes easy and comfortable. And the reality of it is, is that comfortable is not necessarily good, necessarily good. Comfort, comfort is when you're telling yourself that you need to start up in the gears again. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've just, I've just seen, I'm just seeing it uh, in, in my life on a personal level. It's like, okay, I'm getting a bit comfortable in this area, in this area, and now I'm going, I'm going all in again to, to, to try and raise the game of content removal dot com as a business, and I'm trying to move, move the needle in, in that business, and I'm trying to level up this podcast, and I'm trying to put out more valuable content to the world. And it's the same, same with you. It's like, if you once you got that little bit of comfort in your life, it's like, well, actually. Set, settling isn't isn't a human's game. You yeah. know what I mean. You got You got to be happy in in the place. You got to enjoy the journey and be and be peaceful and mindful of, of the fact of enjoy every day and be present. But you should never you should never just get to a point and then just be satisfied because that's no, for sure. And like for me, man, it's just like I work better when the house is on fire. Yeah, and so it's like so I a lot of the time I light it up. Like there's so many times in my in my story in my journey where I'm like okay, things are pretty comfortable here, I'm, things, I'm doing okay, and then I'm just like, fuck, match and gasoline, bang, let's see how this goes, and then it, it works, like it continues to work, because if you continue to like, stay comfortable or things are okay, then what happens is that you never kind of level up, like what you're saying, so you don't, you don't know what you're made of unless you put yourself in those situations where you have to prove it, and um, I almost to a sense now, I sometimes think I get addicted to that, like when things are getting too good and comfortable, I'm like, how do I jump back in the deep end? Yeah, and like, because every time I have, I, I've come out better. And I think everyone I watch do it, like say 90% of the time, not to say it's a 100% hit rate, but most people I know that do jump in the deep end or take that plunge that they've sort of been thinking about or, or too scared to take for five, 10 years. It's like, they end up killing it. Like how many stories is there of guys that thought they were stuck in a job because they did it for 10 years, then they quit and did this and now they're living their best life. It's like, that's a pretty common story in my opinion that I hear. But what's more common is people just not doing it. So they yeah, live their whole lives yeah. hating what they do because they think that that's what they, they've got to do. Like, and that's just, in my opinion, just like, I don't understand it. Like, I get a lot of guys that'll be like, oh, man, I hate what I do. Like, I'm a plumber. It stinks. I can't fucking stand it. But then I might quit, man. They're like, well, I can't, though, because I've done my thing. I'm like, you did a full... You're going to... That's only 10% of what... Of course, or figure it out. Like, you will figure it out. That sort of stops people from moving forward. Yeah, mate. I think I think at the end of the day, right? Like for, for me on a personal level, it's like um, the you know when when it comes down to um, like like just t- take cash in the bank for instance, right? If I have loads and loads of cash in the bank from doing business and that, my 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 kind of you got this like security blanket, so you can kind of get a little bit complacent. So what I do is yeah. I I take it all out and I, and I'm I invest it. So that I've so that I've got a low cash position, so that it shits me up, so that I work harder. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you know I what I mean? Because that. because because otherwise, I I I end up 
I end up, um, you know, just <laughs> just sat there like, oh, I can coast through this and coast through that. Whereas now, when I look at my cash position, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck me, I gotta, I gotta do something. You know what I mean? I got, I gotta get moving because, like, I, I don't, I, I want this much in the bank. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when, and then when I get it, I, I get rid of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, into You've something. Got to figure out ways to motivate yourself. And that's yeah, hundred like, percent. It's easy if you can't figure those things out, then you're never going to motivate yourself. Yeah, like, be it, get up for a run or, or or start a new business. It's like you got to figure out. And for me, it's um, it's chaos. Like that's like, and I think for a lot of people it is. But it's like if I'm struggling, I do better. Like I work harder. Yeah. If if I'm in a not comfortable position, I've I'll continue to do like I'll work harder and do better. Yeah, and so. But yeah, for, so for me, man, I was like, I was working on that. And then I had a brain shift where I was sort of like, okay, cool. I'm wasting all this money. Like I'm not doing all these right things. So I started to like go to people that I knew and respected who had done better than I had. And I was sort of like, oh, well, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with the money you're making or whatever? Yeah. And now like, I'm in, investing in, in property. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm like, cool. So then I did the opposite. So I went from like spending every cent that I can, like easy come, easy go yeah. to um, like keeping it all. I bought an investment property. I did a couple of different things. And I was young. I was like 23, 24. And then I started to like be smart with my money. And I started to learn how to um, make more money from the money that I was earning. And then, so when I got the opportunity to buy a club at 26, I was like, I had the cash there. Whereas what, a lot of guys that what, in my situation didn't. What kind of money were, was this? How much money was the club back in the day? So the whole build cost us just under a million dollars. So from and I've got partners, obviously, but we um the whole we kind of it basically was a shitty old pool hall in the suburbia of Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it had a pretty bad reputation. It was run down. Had been owned by uh, bikies prior. Yeah. Um, sorry, give me a second. There's, um, so there's, yeah, and it was almost like it was a stink pit. Like there was people were like just bulldoze the joint, like it's done. So then we were like, no, nah, I reckon that we can, we can bring this back up. And I'd done a lot of that in the city for other clubs. Like I'd come back and revived their venues with their people thought they were dead. Like, so we polished the turd. <laughs> we, um, we, we sort of put some new lights in and the biggest part man was selling the story. So like a lot of the guys that were coming, I was like, Hey, um, like, I know this is a piece of shit. I know you think it's a piece of shit. Cause that's how you've sort of like viewed it for the last couple of years. But I'm like, this is my vision. This is my dream. This is what we're going to do. And I remember I had like a piece of paper and I had just some photos like of what I wanted to make it look like. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah, had yeah, this, yeah. And I had all these people coming in. I was like, dude, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to look like. So I got them to invest in the story and then they sort of believed this. And the crazy thing was when we did open it, the reputation sort of, it, it continued to like become a hindrance. So when we first started, I was like, okay, cool. This thing's completely polished. Like we've just, we spent a million bucks on it. It looks unbelievably good. And we only had uh, 600 people come. And I yeah. was like, fuck, like, fuck. We're... And I remember being in the, um, like the, the disabled toilets here. Uh, and I was like physically ill because I'm just like, I've put all, my, literally every single cent I've got, every single mo- piece of uh, like money that I've saved in the last year. Um, on top of that, every bit of money I've had in the income to this I've spent. And I've left all my jobs that I was comfortable in to do this venture. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sitting yeah. in the toilet and I'm like physically ill. I'm like, oh my fucking God, what have I done? Um, and then the next night was like 700. Then the next night was like 800. Then the next night was 900. And then we started doing like 1200 for like years and years uh, consistently after that. Yeah. yeah, And I was like, fuck me, man. Like that was a really, really like that tested the, uh, the old cannolis, like when I did that one, but that was, it ended up paying off, as I said, like again, and, and we continued to like put our heart into it and invest in what we believe it was going to become. And, 
at a den, and we've been here for almost nine years now, so it's become like an institution. Mate, to, to obviously rev, revive, and I've got mates that revive nightclubs in the UK, man. It's not, it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to revive. No. You know, there's there's a there's a lot that goes into re- reviving a nightclub and, and renovating it, and obviously you have to put a lot of cash up. Obviously, along comes COVID and completely annihilated you and and shut all your clubs. I mean, you, I mean, in Victoria now, Melbourne. I think you spent like 250 the last 300 and something days in... No, in... more. So it's like we're at like 320 now that we've been closed hospitality and we haven't had zero restrictions since last March. So even when we are open, we've had some form of capacity restrictions. Really? So, so yeah. how many days in the last 12 months has that club been open? Oh, fuck. Less than, less than it's been open. Like I'd be, I reckon, fuck. Maybe twenty five times in last since last March. But yeah. but I bet but I bet your rates are still there. I bet your rent's still there. I bet you're not getting no let up on all that. At the start, man, we did. Um, not now. So like this time now, we're sort of being left in the dark a bit. Like the government has helped us, but a lot of it's like bullshit. It just makes them look good, but it's actually hard to access, or so you not you're not able to get it. Um, and then the rent, like, we can't not pay the rent. Like, the world's going to continue to tick over. So, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. yes, she can't make us pay it up front, but we still owe it. So, when we open, we've just got to, the first four, five, six weeks, we'll just be paying back the rent that we owe for when we weren't open. So, it's a bit of a nightmare thing, man. Like, I never, ever, ever in a million years thought this could ever happen. Like, and again, thank God I didn't stay complacent and just spend live week to week. Well, because if I had it, I would have been in some serious trouble. Well, th- this was it though, but you were living off your cash reserves as far as I'm aware and then you had to go back to work in a job after yeah. after after years of being like, you know, financially free and, and everything like that and owning the club and everything that was going on for you. You had to go back working a job. Give, so, give, so, give, give uh, people a bit of an insight in, into that and, and then how and how it opened up into what you're doing now because I think it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal journey, mate. Yeah, so like obviously I've, I've been working in the entertainment industry for 16 years. So other than owning clubs, I also own one of the bigger kind of club promotion companies. So I still do a lot of stuff in Melbourne, everywhere actually, like Queensland, um, not so much Sydney anymore, but used to. Um, I work in record labels, manage artists, I've done stuff. So entertainment has been my bread and butter for the last 16 years. Um, so I've not really even worked, like I worked at Safeway as a kid part-time, that was it. And I remember my grandpa saying to me years ago, when, I, when because he, he, he would rather me go to uni than run nightclubs. I think any grandfather would. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He sort of said to me, "Well, at least you picked a pretty stable I- industry." He's like, "Because people are always going to drink alcohol, no matter what. Like that's just the way it's been for thousands of years, and it'll continue to be." And I remember thinking, "Like, oh, sweet, like that's that's true." Like, and we have our ups and downs in our industry. It's very because it's like hype based. It's it's you have your roller coaster, so you've always got to prepare. Even when you're winning, you're preparing to lose, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. model, um, luckily for me, it was instilled so that it kind of prepared me for what was to come. But I never thought, I don't know, I, to be honest, and it might sound dumb, but I thought pandemics were like something that happened in the olden days. Like I didn't think it could happen anymore. And now that we, we know what's happened, it's like it seems absolutely retarded that I thought that. But for us, man, it was so quick. Like it was like we knew and heard about COVID. And then it was like on the Wednesday night, um, I remember seeing that they were sh- um, shutting down, I can't even remember, they were talking about shutting down the NBA. Then I woke up on the Thursday and they shut down the NBA and I was like, what the fuck? Like, how, how can this happen? This can't happen. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. that same day I heard that bars and clubs had closed um, in America and I'm like, oh man, hopefully that doesn't happen here. And then on the Friday it was done, we were done. 
So everything was closed. So it happened in like a period of like 48 hours. I um, sort of got on the phone, panicked. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? So I just come out of the festival season, but the last month I still had to go. So yeah. I had a couple of like ventures. So I built this like um, giant sandbar beach in the middle of suburbia on a lake and whatever. So I had this thing that I'd spent some serious cash on building. Yeah. Um, and that had been open for two weeks. So it was meant to run for another six. So I, that had to shut straight away. So I lost every single penny on that. And I'd just come out of um, another festival I did uh, in northeast Victoria, which was like a 3,500 person festival. But I sort of got shafted on the deal, so I lost a bit of cash on that. And then another business that owed me money, they'd obviously lost money because they were doing festivals. So it was actually a fe- uh, company that I sold to someone, and I was still in a non-compete, so I was working with them. So anyway, so they kind of went under, and all these things happened. So all this money that I had, my cash reserve for winter, um, had disappeared on the same day that this all happened. So I was actually in a pretty scary place like all the things that i taught myself to make sure for a rainy day i'd stop because i was sort of it was it was poor it was super sunny for a while if that makes sense so yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah, my yeah. values and all the laws that i kind of created to make sure that i was protected i sort of wasn't living by at that point and, and i didn't think all these things could happen so everything crashed over and at that point there was no like the government didn't talk about support they didn't say they were going to help anybody out it was just like you're shut this is how it's going so I sort of got on the phone. I started messaging people like, I'm like, I need work. I need work. Like, um, I'm fucked. Like, I don't know how I'm going to, what, what am I going to do? So then I got a message from a mate who worked in uh, the markets. Like they work at nighttime and they pack all the fruit and veg. Cause yeah. when COVID hit, um, the fruit and veg, like, you know, like everyone was buying all the toilet paper, blah, blah, blah. So we, um, so I went and helped him for a bit and I was working there sort of nights. So I was starting at like 10 PM at night and working till 10 AM. And so I was doing that, and but how did, how did that feel in your head, like having to go back to working like that again after after so many years of being like the entrepreneur, like the the, the go to guy in Australia for events and all that kind of stuff that you were doing? It's not, it's not like you were running a small show, is it? Like, nah, I've too like it was humbling in a sense, yeah. And so I was like, one of the things that I remember thinking when I was working for him, even though I dropped from, I was literally a lackey, like I was sweeping the floors and, and helping people stack forklifts, so. Um, I was the bottom of that food chain. But in my head, I just kept thinking, I, I want to make sure, because this guy's helped me out, he's my mate. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm going to work the way I want my workers to work, if that makes sense. So to be fair, it was like, because everything was so like, um, I guess, I don't know how to explain it, but like everything was so like r- ridiculous at that point. I was just like, all right, all I need to do is focus on the micro. And the micro is that I've been given a job for now to get back on my feet. Yeah. And I need to work as hard as I'd expect someone to work for me for this guy. So it was a bit humbling, but like, fuck, man, the hours are crazy. Like, hats off to those dudes. Like, they, they work 12 hours overnight, go home, sleep for a couple of hours and get back up and do it. Like, it was pretty crazy to go from working when I wanted to to then working like that with... um with like structure and whatnot it's kind of it's kind of like you have to take on this kind of like immigrant mentality when you when you when you get when you when you face things like this it's like if 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 i've lost everything tomorrow then i would be like okay cool i'll just go be a carpenter again and i'll just go i'll just i'll go i'll go be a laborer to earn enough money to go buy tools again then i'll get tools then i'll become a carpenter again and then i'll go and you know then i'll find a way and I'll get my builder's license and I'll build a house and then I'll do this and I'll do that and that's just how I'll grind my way back up to the grind my way back up to it it's like you have to yeah. take that mentality of everything that Australia as a country has been so lucky and so abundant and 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 when you're brought up as a kid here like I would say 80% of kids have it pretty good here 
Like, sure. do you know what I mean? Obviously, there's a as there's cases which aren't the case, but it's pretty fucking abundant here. It's pretty abundant to make money. When things like this happens, it really shows you that like your whole rug can be pulled from underneath you, and you just like overnight, Danny. Like you, you, you're, you're sitting there like you had a, a lot of cash. Then you put a lot of cash into events that you just thought were going to go ahead, and then they all got smashed and shut down. And then you're then you're then you're back working for a thousand dollars a week. It's not. Mm. It's like you know people got to understand that. You know that it, it, it. You have to separate your ego from it as well when you get humbled like that. I think that another one too with me was like again, like so the guys that worked for me. So I had to sack them all in, in straight away. So like basically, when that happened, I should say sack, but let them go. So when that happened, I sort of called my team, and at that given point, I probably had I don't know fourteen, fifteen dudes directly relying on my businesses to create income for their family. So I sort of called them, and I was like, hey, this is happening. Get a job. I've done it. So you follow suit. So almost in a sense, other than the fact that I, I wanted to ensure that I, things were working okay for me, I wanted to continue to be a leader to them. Because if, if it wasn't too, um, if I wasn't too good for it, then then they couldn't be too good for it. If that makes sense. So and all the guys that work for me, they did do that. And yeah. I, I, like, I kind of like I really wanted to set the example for them to to kind of make sure that they continue to work well and, and sort of I guess back off what I've done. Um, so that I could be a good role model to them. And they all come now, come back and work for me again. But, um, and that's what I sort of promised them once that it all happened. But yeah. Mate, and, and it, it, it's, 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 it's good. You have to lead by example in, in these cases. And obviously, it, I, I, hate, I hate the word, but it wasn't unprecedented time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in terms absolutely. of, and in the things, like, we, I, we'd never did, seen things like that before, you know? Yeah, and I still had cash reserve, but I was also like, well, how long can I live on this for? Because they were talking like, it's been two years now, but they were saying that originally. So I was like, all right, well, I don't have enough to live off for two years just and not have to work. And yeah. at that time, my wife wasn't really working. She was working like a day a week or something. Yeah. Um, so she had to sort of go back to full-time work. And then I was taking care of my kids during the day. I became the dad and then I was working at night time. So everything just flipped on its head for us. Like, it couldn't have been more of a 180 situation. We sort of, but it, as I said, it was hum- humbling. And then as things went down, the market sort of started to slow down because the demand, people started to realize that things weren't as crazy. Yeah. And then I reached out to another mate and he owned bottle shops. So he used to DJ for us at uh, clubs back in the day. And uh, a friend of mine had hit him up and he said that he has work. So I was like, put my hand up and I was like, hey, look, I'd love to take an opportunity here. Like, I understand booze. Um, I've worked in the industry forever. I feel like I'm pretty good with people, good talker. Uh, could I have some work? And he was sort of, I remember him being like, oh, dude, it's only like $27 an hour. Like, you cool with that? And I was like, bro, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just, whatever is good now. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to say no to money or hours when I don't know what's going to happen. Because at this point, people have to remember that we had no idea there was going to be any government support. There was, we had no idea there was going to be grants or anything like that. It legitimately at that point, it was like, it seemed like you were, we're all in our, by ourselves. And as you said, like all of our, um, the rug had been completely ripped out from under our feet. So, I started to work there and then I really enjoyed that. So that went from like, yes, I was working as a, effectively a factory's labourer. Um, but when I started to work into the booze thing, I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I know 35% of this. I understand alcohol. I understand people. I understand how to sell. So I sort of took the lead in that business for my mate, which kind of was probably lucky for him. But I almost started to treat his business like it was my own. Yeah, And that, yeah. kind, of fed, that kind of fed my um, uh, appetite for a bit. So I sort of was like, well, what can we fix? Can we group these things together? How do we make your store get more income? And rah, rah, rah. And I'm, obviously, the, the pandemic had a big part of that. But me and the guys that came in, we had some pretty good um, history, like with running our own businesses and stuff. And I, I'd like to think that we really propped it up. But it got to a point where 
after like six months, because we were there for so long, that we sort of fixed almost a lot of the things. And like, it yeah. started to get to a point where I was like, it became a job again, where I was just like stacking fridges and doing whatever. And then me and one of my other part, uh, my partner's now in 80 Proof. So we, he owns clubs too. So he owns clubs in the city. And we'd work night. So we'd do like Fridays or Thursdays from like 5 to 11 p.m. Yeah. Um, and at this point we had curfew. So they'd shut down the, um, the, everything at 9 o'clock, but you could still do online delivery. So yeah. we'd be packing bottles into um, like boxes and whatnot to send it out. So he would finish at 9, but he would hang around. And we'd sort of be talking about stuff because funnily enough i actually worked as a consultant in his venue prior to the COVID happening so i we recreated it. it's a space called burke street courtyard in the city it's like super successful now but prior to me coming in it was it had some uh, some history again like where people didn't really necessarily want to work in it and me and him sort of joined forces and we really developed the brand and renamed it and changed some things and it became like one of the hottest venues in melbourne basically so you're just you, you're just two lads that were were in the same situation you both had successful venues but but obviously like you you're both working in the bottle shop basically now you know what i mean like yeah. it's, it's, it's a hell of, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a come down session i mean what at what point was it you you guys started to throw around business ideas and things you could start Man, the whole, the whole time, because the four guys that worked with me was like a guy that worked for me seven years, and he was like a um, marketing kind of guy who'd done like a lot of social media stuff, a um, bunch of e-com stuff, uh, stuff and whatnot. Then there was my other partner who ran festivals. Um, so he ran like Babylon Festival. He works for Hardware, which is one of the, they used to own Stereosonic, which was the biggest festival in Australia. So, And then my other, the other guy I worked with was um, uh, the owner of he owned that his family owned like three or four clubs on King Street. So like one of the biggest club families in in Melbourne. Yeah. So all these guys were pretty fairly heavyweights, and we're all working for twenty seven dollars an hour stacking fridges. So we um we basically we're always pitching business ideas. Like that's just what we do when we hang out. Like these guys, that's what we that's sort of product how we of your environment again. Yeah. So we kind of, that's how we sort of like waste time. Yeah. You know? Like, well, what do you think of this? And we break it down and whatever. So me and George, my partner. We were sitting there one night and we were talking about like when things go back, like how do you, how can we make sure that we don't get affected as badly? And we, and originally it was a vodka iced tea. So we were sort of looking at this vodka iced tea and we're like, okay, like maybe we can sell that into the club. So when clubs are um, going again, it's more fruitful for us, fruitful for us because we're making more money and more income. But if things close down, we can still make money and pick up um, sort of their extra abundance in liquor sales like off-prem, which is like bottle shops and whatnot. Yeah. So we started to muck around with them. Like, all right, well, what's the first step? So the first step was to create the product. So we went through the whole process of like create the brand, create the flavors, create the product, create whatever, and got to the point where it was like presentable. And we're like, cool. So then I had worked for another guy again, who was another club owner, and he had shifted from selling, uh, owning clubs about five years prior to selling alcohol. So he was doing like parallel importing and distribution and he was selling like basically booze to clubs. So effectively that's where we wanted to do, but um, we also wanted to sell off-prem. So I was like, well, let's go catch up with him. So he had started up this new like franchise Suvlaki bar thing. And we're like, we'll go catch up with him and see what his advice is. So we went down to catch up with him. And then he was like, yep, cool. It's not a bad idea, but this, this, this is going to fuck you over. Um, I reckon there's a better idea here, but I love the concept of, of what you're thinking, right? It makes sense. You're going to cushion yourself. It's a great, it's a great concept in theory. So like, sweet. So then we started to like look through our like, uh, list of products that we buy. And it was like Corona, vo- uh, vodka cruises, vodka, cranberry juice, um, 
uh, lime, whatever. And we're like, okay, like, what the, what's the cranberry juice for? Like, oh, wet pussy, wet pussy shots. So like, wet pussy shots is like, for anyone that doesn't know, which I, I think that most people would, but it's like the number one sold club in Australia, Australia-wide. So any nightclub or bar traditionally will sell wet pussies. And it, it's basically like one of the things that's always on special. It's like Corona, wet pussy, cruisers. Like they're, it's like a staple for any Aussie. Just break down what's in, a, what's in a wet pussy shot for the people that don't know. So effectively it's alcohol, vodka, um, peach snaps, cranberry juice, and just like a touch of lime. So it's nothing, it's, it's not some major um, concoction. It's pretty easy to make. But, but, we, but, but, but essentially what you did, just so the audience understand is, you, you, you both sat there and thought, fucking hell, let's just go through our nightclubs. Let's see what our top seller is. Yeah. And, let, and, 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 then, and, and that's when, that's when this, this, this shot came up to you as your best seller. And you thought, well, if we can make that as a premix and sell that in bottle shops all across Australia that would solve our issue right now because like, obviously all the bottle shops are open but all the clubs are shut. Yeah, there was actually two parts to it. So the first one was we're looking at it and we're like, okay, if we can make this cheaper than what we make it. So when we make it at a club, we pour it into like 20 litre barrels. So we pour it up so you get someone to come in like an hour early, make it, test it, cool. Then they put it into like bottles and then someone would refill those bottles on night and we'd sell it. So there's a yeah. component of labour um, that we'd have to pay for someone to do it. So we're like, all right, we can get that price of this like cheaper then or as cheap um or just a little bit more than what people are making it in their clubs i'm like we just solve a problem like we just take away some labor it's super easy they're just going to grab it out of the bottle so that, that was one part of it where we were like let's make something that is pretty fucking prehistorically done um easier and then the second so create a solution for a problem and the second part was if club shut and we're selling this we can sell it into off-prem so we basically went from there and went and checked the trademark and we got super we had not been done so this thing has been around for like 20 years. It's, it's, it's a household name, in my opinion. And we checked it, and no one had owned the worldwide trademark for wet pussy. So we went through the process of trademarking it. It took like six months. You have to wait for it to go through, and then it got accepted. So, you, so you, when, you've, got, you've, got the trade, you've got the global trademark for wet pussy? Yeah, correct. What, even in America? Yeah. So we had to do that secondary. So we got the Australian, like Pacific New Zealand one first, and then yeah. we had to submit for that. And now we have it worldwide. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's phenomenal yeah, to get that trademark. Do you know I what I mean? I feel like that's a, probably the craziest part of the whole story. But yeah, there's like, um, so we got it. And I'm like, all right, sweet. Let's get, do this. And again, like when, I guess like when you get thrown into a shit situation, you've got to try to figure out a, uh, a solution. These sometimes so you don't realize how good the solution is going to be for you. But once we sort of made it, we bottled it. And clubs opened in this period. So we were expecting to open like March this year, but like last year. So we sort of, then all of a sudden, old mate, Daddy Dan Andrews, he sort of came out and said, hey, December, you're open. So we're like, fuck, all right. So we put that in the back burner while we went back into our clubs. And we were running stuff every single weekend. We were doing events. Like I would have done, I think I did 14 events in December myself. All sold out, just putting it out there. But anyway, um, so I, did 14, I did 14 events myself and plus I ran my club and like the club, the club nights and whatnot. Yeah. So we, um, so it went spastic. So we're cool. Like it was sort of on the back burner and then things seemed to be going back to normal. Like we're like, cool. But we'd already developed, had the trademark. Um, we had product being made. So we knew it was going to land in like sometime mid-March. So even though we weren't really paying attention to it, it landed, we got it. We're like, oh yeah, cool. So we designed all the logos and stuff too. So I own another company, which is, I didn't bring up earlier, but it's called Mad Creative. And we do uh, design, websites, video, all this sort of stuff. So it's almost effectively, we're, we're a branding slash creative uh, company. 
So I, myself and my designer, we created the whole brand, the whole brand IQ, the whole lot. So we did, and my, and my business partner, George, helped too. Yeah. So we put it all together. And then, so we got the bottles like, oh man, awesome. But at that time, we were sort of like so back immersed in what we were doing that it almost sat in the factory for two weeks. And then we were like, all right, we better start moving on this. So it was kind of coming into April. So we sent some stuff out to influencers. And then um, we noticed that we hadn't even shut the Shopify yet. So it was all kind of happened super quick. Um, we sort of started selling it into uh, our clubs. So people were selling to our clubs and everyone was like, oh yeah, cool, sweet. Because they knew the product, they knew we were going to do it. We sort of had these conversations. So and it, made, it made their life easier because it, it cut out the worker having to make it for the shift, didn't it? So it's actually cheaper for them to stock it. You know, 100, percent it's a, and it's easier for them to, to do it. The other part too is it's consistent, so every single time you know the taste. Whereas like when you're batching it, it could taste like cranberry juice, it could taste like lime, it could taste like pure vodka. Like it's you don't know. Like it's a, it's a mix and match. So that kind of we create we solve that problem too. But you sell into clubs, they were pretty happy about it. But for us, we kind of expected that. So that's where we expected. We expected to sell maybe four pallets a pallet a week, and that was sort of the growth. Of and how many bottles are on the pallet, Danny? Uh, there's 67 boxes, I think, on a. Oh no, sorry, on our pallets is 100 boxes. So there's 600 bottles on a pallet. So we thought we'd sell 600, 600 bottles. boxes. Yeah, yeah, 600 bottles um, a week or thereabouts. And if we'd had them, we would have been super stoked. So then we sell them to the clubs, and then we decided to send some out to influencers. One being Troy, which I know you've had on the show. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Um, Troy Candy. We, yeah, so we put it out, and we're like, we'll send some to influencers because we had the license uh, to sell booze online. So we'd all gone through that whole process. And we're like, we'll give it a go. And to be honest, I generally was like, I don't reckon people are going to go for this. This is just something you drink in clubs. It's like, it's a club drink. We're going to sell it just to clubs. I can't really see it going to houses. Like, I, I guess I didn't see the vision at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, so we were like, sent it to a couple of the guys, influencers, and then we launched it and we hadn't done the Shopify. So they all kind of started posting it on the Sunday night at like 8 p.m. Yeah. And we saw this giant fucking like spike in people coming to the website. So we're like, fuck. So we legit, like within four or five hours, we built a Shopify store and then we launched it in the morning and we like, we sold like two and a half thousand dollars at that time, which I thought was amazing in the day, just from the backlog of, of the influencers posting it. And we're like, oh, what the fuck? Like how awesome. Like we did not expect this. So then from there, we're like, well, maybe we try this in like bottle shops. Like even we obviously had the idea of doing it eventually, but like, well, maybe we'll just give it a go now. So we actually went back to the bottle shop we worked at and was like, hey, would you stock this for us? And the guy, my manager there, Louis, he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I was like, sweet. So he stocked it there. And then like a week later, he messaged me saying like, hey, can we get more? And I was like, fuck, like he'd have sold more. So after that, we started calling anybody we knew and we're like, hey, do you have a bottle shop? Can you put some stuff in it? And then... Um, the same thing happened. So they were like, got, like within a week, they're like, dude, this sold out. Like, well, can we get some more? And we're like, fuck me. So we then, my business partner, who was the guy that owned the Suvlaki joint, he went back and he um, messaged a dude that he knew that he used to sell liquor through and was like, hey, would you distribute some of this through your bottle shops? And this guy was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So he took, I don't know what he took, maybe like 40 boxes. And he sent it to a bunch of different bottle shops in like rural, suburban uh, Melbourne. And then this is when it all went crazy. So this dude, blew, this dude from Ballarat, which is in the middle of nowhere in Victoria, yeah. he, in this, this bottle shop called Premix Kings, he posted just a photo of it, and he was like, now stocking wet pussy. And it went fucking viral. Like, it, they did, like, 75,000 comments on this post. Like, it went absolutely, like, 2,000 shares, like, absolutely went spastic. And we were like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. So all of a sudden, the online sales went up. 
we had bottle shops like hitting us up. Like the, my, my business partner who deals with all the phone calls, he couldn't even keep up with it because people were calling us from all over Australia, America, New Zealand, because they wanted this the product that we, we had. And then, so from there, we were like, oh my God, this is insane. And then two days later, it happened again. So someone from Queensland, I think it's Silverwater, which is like just above Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They posted it. Same thing happened. It was like 45,000 comments, all these shares, rah, rah. Then some person just literally took a TikTok of the bottle. Didn't even say anything, just like a TikTok. Same thing happened, like 100,000 views, whatever. And it happened like seven times, like every single day. It was always whirlwind, man. We're just like, what the fuck? Every single day this is happening. So the inboxes were getting filled up. We're getting smashed with phone calls. And we're like, we need to figure out how to like distribute this Australia-wide right now, like while the iron's hot. Yeah. And so lucky for us, and I guess this is something that I keep thinking about. So I'll get people sometimes, man. I'm like, no, probably no different to you or any of you guests. Some people think I'm the luckiest human that's ever existed. I, I disagree with that because I've done these sort of things multiple times. So if, if there's got to be some form of like me knowing what I'm doing. I, like, I, I think I think from what I know about you, Danny, I think that I think the the, the the true luck for you and the true luck for me and the true luck with a lot of people that I've had in this podcast is the fact that they'll fucking try. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Because because it's like you know you, you when you do a podcast, you go through you go through a dip where you're grinding out content, you're putting out epic content. But it's like one show will get ten thousand downloads. One show, one show will get three thousand downloads in the first week. And yeah. you're like, fucking hell! Like, what's what's going on here then? Like, what's what's going on? Um, and but the but the truth is, like, you just you're just compounding the growth. You're just compounding, 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 and then it all comes through like a whirlwind at once. And everyone thinks you've, you're an overnight success or something. That's exactly what I was going to say. So, like, the two things for me. Firstly, the two biggest things I think that attribute to anything I've ever done is network. I'll legitimately, man, spend three days of my week catching up with dudes, calling guys that I know, speaking, what are you doing? What are like creating conversation? Because the only way to get involved with someone's project or something new coming up is it's by speaking to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, vice versa, if you've got this wicked idea, it's like, okay, well, who do I know that can help me facilitate this? So you just don't take it's. It's all good to have an idea when you're drinking beers with your mates in the shed, but there's only 1% of people can actually action that. I like to think that I can action it. Regardless of you and I come up with an idea now, if we come up with it, I can be like, oh, yeah, I know a publisher that does this, or I know someone that does this, or whatever. It's like, thankfully, because I worked in nightclubs too, it's like I was giving these dudes free pits. So it's almost like everybody owes me a favor, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's like, yeah. it's like if you've got, if you've got, it's just about making as many connections with as many people as you, as you can. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the other, da- the other day before this podcast, I had uh, Fred Chibester. He owns Finder.com. You know what I mean? He's got a billion dollar company, and now I've got and now I've got someone so, someone else in my phone book who's got a billion dollar company, and I've added yeah. value to him and his audience. And it's like now I've got another now I've got another billion uh, billionaire company in my phone book to add to the other nine that I've got. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like now you don't you you, you don't need you don't need those contacts all this week, but but yeah. you but you want them throughout your life because you can add value to them, they can add value to you. And it all—that's that, how it all goes on. And it's like that—that's why it's so powerful when you said about how you changed your environment back on the podcast as well. Because it's like when you change your environment and took yourself from one situation and and put yourself in a totally different situation, it allowed you to open your mind so you could surround yourself with people like this and you could open your network up and yeah. start networking with people. It's that mindset shift. It's that that moment of bravery taking yourself away from your family and everything you've known and putting yourself in another situation that was the pivotal point in the whole thing because none of this could happen unless you change your environment 
you know what I mean? I, went about, I, t- I actually talk about this stuff and not to diverge off the story that we're sort of telling, but I always talk about like T intersection moments in my life, right? Yeah. So I look at them and there's like four and I always like tell people, I'm like, think about it. Like where's, where's a point in your life where you came to a T intersection and yeah. if you took that road, your whole life changed or you took this road, your whole life changed. So like for me, it was like um, breaking up with a girlfriend in, at 20 where she wanted to have kids and get married and she, and she eventually did. But I didn't. So at that point, it was a T intersection. So I had to decide to go that way or that way. And I chose to go that way. So if I'd gone that way, my life would be a completely different story. Good or bad, I, I don't know. But, and it was again like... It's just, um, diff- it's just, was- it's just different, isn't it? It's like, yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's like you can't overthink whether good or bad. But like, it, it, it's like, it's just, like you say, it's just, a, it's just a pivotal moment. I mean... I think reflecting on those things are good too. Because then you sit there and go, all right, well, I took that decision. Look what happened. So like when you, you hit one of those points again, you're like... It becomes easier to make that decision. Yeah, and where you're like, oh, I'm at a T agency section again. Which way am I going to go? Like, and then you can sort of, because you've done it and you, you've identified that you've done this before, you kind of make, can make the decisions better. But um, I guess back off. That one's risk. So for me, I'm just like, I'm ready to have a crack at anything. Like, if you, again, if you and I come up with an idea and we want to sell flavored bubble water, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I know a dude who can make it and distribute it. Um, I know this, I know that, rah, rah, let's have a crack. What's the worst that I can lose? So like, I sort of work it out, what is the worst I can lose? And then I do like a risk analysis almost, like a basic one in my own head, and then I'll give it a crack. Nine times, nine people out of 10 don't do that. They're just like, I've got this wicked idea, but I don't want to do that because I get paid 1,200 bucks a week to be a chippy and, and, and that's just easy for me. So I don't want to take that risk because people try. I don't want to lose the income that I've saved because I worked hard for it. Whereas I'm like, if I lose it, well, I'd rather lose it. I'd rather lose the income that I saved knowing that it doesn't work um on taking the risk on it winning than the other way around you yeah? and like for me the bigger risk is not having a crack at it like that's how i look at it so yeah 100 percent, danny because like you it when you get to the end i i always I, i've started to this sounds a bit morbid but it'll put things in a lot of perspective for a lot of people i've started to think about the fact that i'm gonna die i always do right and i've really i really i, I literally Every day I wake up and I'm like, right, I could, I could die tomorrow. Like, so let's, let's, let's not, I won't put off, if I want, if I feel like I want to go to the boxing gym, even though I've got work on, I'll be like, well, I'm going there because I might, this might be the last chance I ever get to, <laughs> to, to do 12 rounds. You know what I mean? I might, you know, I might not be able to walk tomorrow. I know it sounds morbid, but it's just like, if you live with the perspective in your mind that every day yeah, is yeah. your last day. Would you, re- would you really give a fuck about having a go at having a stab at this business idea or changing this group of friends or offending this person by removing off Instagram, even though they're toxic for you or deleting Tinder because Tinder's not a fucking productive thing for you? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know it sounds so, so trivial what I'm talking about, but it's like literally put it in perspective. If you do not ultimately go and, 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 and set your, f- set yourself out and set your fence out and say right this is how this is how i'm turning up and and like death could come to me tomorrow so i'm just gonna just do what the fuck i want to do and just express myself as much as i can in the world and add as much value as i can then you kind of you kind of just pissing in the wind like you, you know what i mean i actually lost one of my best mates probably about uh, nine years ago now yeah and since that point i think about it all the time it's like fuck what i'm gonna die which is is a fuck thing to take from that obviously everyone's gonna die but i'm like I'm like, I want to make sure that my story is like amazing. So that when I die, I always think about like people doing my eulogy, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reading yeah. it out at the funeral, yeah. Yeah, and like even again, not just like business stuff. Like I remember going to uh, one of my best mate's wife's grandpa's funeral 
and they were talking about all this stuff he did, like this community things he did, yeah, and how yeah, he yeah. helped these kids. And I was like, fuck, man, like when I die, I want people to talk like that about me. So they're from like there. Like a celebration also, like, of life yeah, rather, exactly. rather so, than the morning like, of your passing. Yeah, and then I'm like, all right, well, what do I want people to talk about when I die? I want them to talk about how I was adventurous, how I was like, took risks, I did all this crazy stuff that I was like, a, that my life had meaning because I helped kids or whatever it was. So they became the pinnacle parts of my life where I'm like, well, these are the things I want to focus on. Yeah, and so, and that's where it has gone from now. So like now, obviously, I work on my business stuff. I like, I, I work with a lot of like um, underprivileged kids through do- multiple different programs. I do a bunch of different things, but it's like, I always think about like, well, how do I want to leave this world? But you have to think about dying if you, because otherwise you're just living life on autopilot. And like, wh- wh- why yeah. do you want to live life on autopilot? That's my opinion. Mate, I'm I'll- sure some people do want to, but it's like, I don't want to be that guy at the end going, fuck, I should have took that kick. Yeah. And I, yeah. I should have tried that risk. I should have, I should have asked that girl out, whatever it is. Yeah. And so I don't want to be that guy. And that's how I've lived my life pretty heavily forever, but more so once I realized it. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I think just realizing it and just taking this moment. I mean, I mean, even 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 guys, if you if you if you listen to this at this point, you obviously men to hear this, but it's like it's, take some time, like write it down on a bit of paper, like the kind like are you living life to your full potential right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you are you are you turning up exactly authentically how you want to be? Like, you, you got to be honest with yourself. I mean, I, I, I'll be totally honest with with, with 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 all of you and just say like. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went to this breathwork experience, and when you do breathwork, and it just changes your, opens up new pathways in your mind and stuff. And I was lying there in this, in this deep, in this med- meditation, and like I just started to cry, man, because like I, there's so many things in life that I wanted to do that I'd not yet done. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, fuck, like it's all starting to, starting to, starting to, to realize, you know, that that you you are only we don't look. There could be we could be here more than once i don't know but let's just say we're here for here once as this as this vessel right yeah it's 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 the only duty you have that's going to fulfill you is is a purpose bigger than yourself for a start and to impact as many people's lives in a positive manner as you can that's you that's your only goal like you ain't there's no other goal there's 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 that's why I do this podcast. That's why I, that's why I have people on you tell your stories and, and, and tell your journeys to give people a bit of value in their life. It's like just provide value. I don't make no money out of the podcast, but I but I but it lights me up. So if it lights me up and it gives value to other people, then then I'm serving the world at a higher purpose than I was when I wasn't doing it. And it's just like that. That's what pe- that's what more people have to understand. It's like, are you what what value what value are you providing to the world? Because all the money and all the business opportunities and all the opportunities that you want come as a byproduct of you adding value to the world. Yeah, one million percent. And there's more to it too, man. It's like, end of the day, it's like money is one component. And like, even for me, like, I've had a pretty good life and I've done really well and I've sold businesses and created festivals and bought nightclubs and whatever. That's great. But it's like, I remember hitting 30 and I was sort of like, all right, sweet. So obviously I grew grown up, pretty traumatic lifestyle, like parents were um, on drugs and alcohol and whatever. And I remember thinking, I was almost like success was my way to escape that. So yeah. I would be like, all right, well, if I'm successful and I buy a million dollar house and I do these things and I have the fancy car, I'll be happy then. And I remember when I hit those things, I was like about, about 30. And I was like, I hit those things and I went into this massive depression. I was like, fuck, I'm fucked. And it took me like six months of actually going to see therapists and whatnot to figure out what it was. And the thing was, I thought that I could outrun all the problems I'd ever had in my life 
with success. Yeah. And that's not true. Yeah. So I've done all these things and I made all these decisions I needed to make money because I thought once I got to this million dollar house or whatever it was that I was going to be happy now. And I wasn't. So I got there and this happens a lot with people and I was like, fuck, I am not happy. Yeah. And like, so then I changed and this is a crazy part about this little story is that I was like, all right, well, from now on, I'm only going to do things that I care about or I'm interested in. 100%. So if it makes money or not, I don't really give a fuck. And the funny thing about it, man, is I've made more money since I've made that decision than what I did before. So when I was chasing cash, it was like I was constantly grabbing its tail and like just, just grabbing it. Yeah? And like, but once I started doing things for the right reasons and really positively making those decisions for me and what I was interested in, it was when I started to make more leaps and bounds than I ever had. So because how I many times the things I'm making were pure, like they weren't just for cash. Like I wasn't drudging through going fuck this. Like, but I'm like, there's a there's a pot of gold at the rainbow. Like now it's like even if it doesn't make money, who gives a fuck? Because I love doing it. Yeah. But but, but there's, there's one the one thing I want to drill in on that, Danny, is the fact of how much just so the audience understands what you're saying there. How much more cash do you in, in, say? Say, is it three times more cash you feel like you're making because you're doing what you love? Is it four times? What, what kind of what kind of percentage would you put on it? I man, like for me, I don't think that that's an answer. Like, I think that the reality is, if it is, is like you're living with your means. Like, what's your means? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to buy? No, what 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 I mean is, is like, if 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 you're you're saying cash and 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 business is more flowing to you. Yeah, would, would, sure. would you would you would you say it was like you know three four times more now because because it's, it's flowing rather than, ra- I'd, say, I'd say four five times probably so as yeah. it happened almost legit as i made this decision i was like cool i'm gonna go back so back at that point i had created this company called the food truck carnival and it was like this giant event we did like half a million people over the summer season it was massive it was fucking ripping me to pieces like no, i hated it i couldn't stand working in it was so stressful it was this giant monster but i was like i felt like i was stuck in it because i created it yeah and um and i only did it originally because i thought i was gonna make heaps of cash out of it and i i sold it not for as much as i wanted to but i still made a profit on it It was all great whatever um but after that i I didn't want to have this thing with clubs right so i actually kind of started to leave clubs and like work corporate and it was because I, i almost was following what people i thought expected of me so people were like, well, why would you go do clubs again? Like that's sort of beneath you now. You run these giant things and festivals and you've got this marketing company and blah, blah, blah. So I sort of started to follow someone else's trajectory or like what they expected of me. Yes, and then yes, the yes. reality of it is, is I started doing clubs because I loved it. I started running events because I loved it. I love music. I love people. I love whatever. I love putting these things on. So then when I came to this point when I sold that business, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And everyone was like, well, you're going to like work on this marketing company, blow it up, do this, whatever. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not that passionate about it. It's like a means to an end. I only started that because I wanted to become more creative in my own businesses. Yeah. And like, I do push the envelope there. So I was like, I think I'm going to revert back and I'm going to go back working to music labels and I'm going to go back working in events and creating club nights and doing all this stuff. And, and I did. And it was just like, it was, it was, I was empowered by it because I wanted to do it. I wanted to be there. I was enjoying creating the brands. I was enjoying creating the music structures. I was enjoying working with artists. And because of that, this is a, this, it's a thing that I've heard before. It's like, if I love, what, if, if you're a chef and you fucking hate being a chef, you're never going to be as good as a guy who loves being a chef. Because yes. if that guy has to stay back for five hours, he's going to because he fucking loves it. And that's what I was like. I loved it. I wanted to be there. I wanted to do it. How can you beat a guy that wants to be there? I was never counting hours. I wasn't like, yeah, I did eight hours today. I was like, if I did... 40 hours in, the, in, in 48 hours. I, I didn't care because I wanted to be doing it. Yeah. And so you can't beat someone who wants to be in that position and wants to work and wants to be, um, loves what they do. 
and then now that's just like my principle for anything. So even with this the alcohol stuff, it was like, cool, all right, well, weird is bad. I know it's not the best thing for you, but I'm like, I'm passionate about alcohol. I always have been. I love whiskeys and wines and I love booze and I love branding and I love, and all. that's a combination of all those things. So when I had the opportunity to do this, other than the fact I thought that it would help me, I had other opportunities I could have taken too, but I'm like, no, I'm really interested in this. I, I really, I really want to see how the marketing works, like how, how to put something like this together, how to distribute across Australia. I think this is a great challenge. It excites me. And on top of that, I really like alcohol. So it, it kind of made sense. So when you start to make those decisions purely and it's for the right reasons, and a lot of people I speak to have the same sort of story as me, it always is the same case. Like they always start to win because, yeah. as I said, you can't yeah, beat someone who wants, to, who wants to work. 100% mate. And everything's started to flow better since I started to put my, sure. put my voice around things and, and started to, to, to do this and do it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? It's not just about monetizing stuff. Yeah. Other stuff will monetize on the back of, back of it anyway. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. Just it's like, like a byproduct, man. It's like a, it's a yeah, byproduct of yeah. it. And so even for me, it's like, even if I didn't make money off those things, like that's the story that people like to hear. They're like, oh, what yeah. you fucking killed it? You made all this cash. But that's actually not the motivator for me. So as soon as my motivation stopped being about money, it's funny because that's when, that's when the, mo- that's again. when, that's when the money starts to flow. I mean, it's I, crazy, but I, it, it I, works that way. I've had offers of, of sponsorship for this podcast with, with a big clothing brand, turned it down. With a couple of uh, financial companies, turned it down because because they're not right for me. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not in alignment because uh, with the clothing brand, it's like with the deal that they were offering me for, to support this podcast. I'm like, if that's the deal you offer me, you don't see the vision of where I'm taking the podcast. Mm. So we're not aligned, and it's like I don't want. I don't. If you don't. If you don't that just shows a lack of belief in, in, in me and what I'm building here. And it's way bigger than that. Do you know what I mean? Forget the monetary value. It's way bigger than what you think it is in that terminology. It's like, you know, you just let that go. Like it'll, that's not right. You know what I mean? That's, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not the game. It's like, if you look at this, there's, there's podcasts that rank above this podcast in Australia, Danny, yeah, that don't put as much into the production of the clips as, as we do that don't do certain things and it's like I know that we'll out hustle them in the long term anyway like do you know what I'm saying so I don't have to I don't have to worry about the short term fucking clip five grand here clip a thousand dollars here clip three thousand dollars here I don't have to worry about all that shit because that shit's just nonsensical because in the future it all comes back in abundance but it all it just all come at once do you know what i mean it also makes things easy like once you have like you have values within yourself or whatever you're doing or whatever i look i have this thing where i call it brand iq yeah so anything that i create i'm like cool what's the brand iq i know yeah. it sounds lame but i'm just like uh it's whatever it is even if it's a bar it's like the bar i'm sitting in right now it's like i'm like all right well i want it to be for older people to enjoy good cocktails blah 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 once i understand like what it's for and what the iq of that business is everything becomes easy. So if someone comes along and goes, oh, we're going to give you 10 grand to stock uh, fucking James Bogue, which is a beer that I hate. I'm going to say no, like regardless of the money or no, because I'm going to be like, no, 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 because it doesn't fit my brand value of this, of this yeah. thing I've created. Yeah, so I agree. It, then those decisions make sense. But then I continue to grow and grow and grow. And then all of a sudden a brand that does align with it because I've stuck true to what I think, believe in, will come and it will, will happen. And I'll be like, cool, sweet. That's exactly what I wanted. And it's because you attract what you're creating um, you, you attract what you want by creating something that you believe in. It's, yeah. it's also, it's also, it's about being authentic to to, sure. you, to you and what you do. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, 
I just won't. I just know what I want in life. I know what I want from this podcast. I know what value I want the audience to take from it. The the audience know that when I put out a podcast, it's gonna bang. It's gonna hit their ears at the right time. And I'm not. I'm not willing to compromise that for fucking this little bit of cash over yeah, here just to just to promote some bullshit I don't like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, if 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 I did I did this thing on Instagram, right? I shared this peanut butter smoothie that I had at this cafe on Hedges. I was telling you before the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then and then and then a few of the girls went out and got in this. They tagged me in it and they shared me in it. And then I'm just like, before I got on this podcast, I just put out a message saying, it'd be really good, guys, if you could, if you could go down to Cafe on Hedges and sell them out of peanut butter, blah, 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 blah. Because, because I like it. I don't get nothing from it. I don't give a fuck about it. I don't want no money from them. And they're, they're messaging me. It's like, oh, we'll send you. We've, had, we've sold like 10 of these this morning already, like, since you posted this. I'm like, we're going to give you a free one. I'm like, I don't want your fucking free smoothie, man. I just want you to do good business because you yeah. are, are, you, you were good to me. You are, you are, kind to me when I came into your venue you 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 you've got a great product I don't want no fucking free shit like do you know what I mean yeah, like, I like it, it's just it's just it's just like at, again they added value to my life I, I, the least I can do is add value to theirs same, same similar to what you're you're explaining with what, what you're doing in your journey I, I just want to pivot back to the to like because obviously it's such a good story within the, yeah, within, sure. the within the wet pussy model is the fact that like you took this club drink, you bottled it, you got it on pallets, you started selling it into major brands. I think you got it into like Thirsty Camel as well, didn't you? And, and yeah, like a that. few more than that. So like, yeah, going back, we really diverted off that. But where I was going with that originally was that because I'd made, met all these people and we'd, we'd worked so long for over 10 years, it's almost like the success of this product wasn't just because it was successful. Like, does yeah. that make sense? Obviously, it blew up and that's awesome. But it was how we managed it. And it, that was all the 15 years of experience I'd had prior to that came to that point yes and when this thing, yes when things blew up when things blew up i was like cool i know how to harness this i've, I've worked in social media i understand marketing i understand hype you had all the contacts i had all the contacts so i was like cool this is what we're going to do we're going to capture that we're going to make sure that's bigger we're going to borrow read what they're saying then we're going to promote to those people who are in those comments with the things that they're talking about which is nostalgic or or they're talking about missing clubs or whatever so let's really harness that and, and create more demand and Okay, this thing's kicked off in TikTok. Let's go find some TikTok guys. This is the vision we want. Blah 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 blah. I, I love the and fact. I, I love the fact. I just want to drill in on this. So, sorry, Danny, but I just want to drill in on this. The fact that you went into the comments and listened to what the customers were saying and the and the and the, and the feelings that they were feeling, and then you put the creative around those feelings, and then you use that creative to sell the product. Yeah, and it's right. like. The reason I'm drilling into that is because that's some powerful shit. It's because it's like you're saying you're going into 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 the comments. You're listening to what people are saying. You're listening, and then you're creating the brand value around the brand that the people request because they're talking about it. And that and, and that is so powerful, man. It's actually yeah. So we we did that, and we we're sort of following them. So almost like we got not not a cheat code because again, as I said, it's 15 years of experience to be able to understand, read that, and then make it turn into something. But then my other business partner again. 20 years of experience. He knew how to distribute booze and do all this sort of stuff. And then a friend of mine had owned this company called Tipple, which is like, um, it's like Uber Eats for alcohol in Melbourne. It's the number one liquor delivery uh, company. Yeah, yeah. And I knew him and then he kind of respected me because we all kind of followed businessmen. And then, so I connected with him and I was like, can you help us grow our business? So it was like oh, everything that had ever happened in the last 15 years came to this point. Every relationship that I made with my partners Every relationship that we, we, we created with the marketing team, from the designer to the video guys, like it all bubbled up to this point, if that makes sense. So 
when we then we were able to like really blow the product up because most people would be like fuck we got this giant like bubble of about to explode like this volcano but yeah. we were like we were able to put the dots together and distribute across australia within like a month if that makes sense which is yeah like, mate and, it could and, take people years yeah it could take people it could take people years and then and then obviously you're probably going to expand abroad but just to give people a little bit of dollar terms right you went from zero to what in in, in how long so effectively we sold um the first week, month, we sold four pallets. Then the two weeks after that, we sold eight. Then there was 16 by the end of the month. The next month was, I think, 20. And then the month after that, we sold 55 pallets. So we, we've been around for six months now, and we're just shy of two mil rev. Um, we've sold well over 100 bottles zero, across zero, Australia. Zero, um, zero to two mil yeah, in six months. On, yeah. So, from, and then that's from the first month wasn't even comparative. So realistically, you could say it's from four months. But, um, that, 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 that is, that is mad, man. Zero to two, zero to two mil. It's pretty crazy. But yeah, so we, um, but again, like it was the, it was the accumulation of every single experience we'd ever had myself and my partners. So my partners was, uh, George, the guy that owns clubs on King Street, his family does. My ex boss, uh, Jess, who had ran alcohol companies and nightclubs. And then a partner we bought on. Yeah. help us scale. Uh, he'd done a lot of stuff for celebrations and whatnot. So we're in a lot of celebrations, Thirsty Camels, um, Bottle Marts, a lot of it, like independent chains. Yeah, and, um, and you just, you're just bringing, them, bringing people on with the, contact, with the contacts to get you into like 60, 70 stores and then, and then, and then giving them a bit of equity for the, for, the, for the fact that they can just plug you directly into a sales, a sales route. For sure. Well, we're just for us, we're like, okay, cool. Where's our weakness? So like we go boom, boom, boom. How do we continue to grow? Where's our weaknesses? We don't have consistent relationships with these independent chains. Hey, I know a guy that does. He works for Tipple. They're on um, like a on-demand alcohol service. Let's chat to him. He's like, yeah, cool. I absolutely love this brand. Um, I can scale you A, B, and C. We're like, you're you're, you're a great uh, fit to our business. Boom, we keep going, keep going. And it's like, as I said to you when I spoke to you last week, um, we just brought on another partner now. So he's like an international uh, Malaysian businessman. Yeah. And they sort of they sort of um uh focus on like IPOing businesses and stuff, but he's kind of came in to help us deal with the international expansion of, of our business and yeah, also the growth of our own business. So uh, as uh, I said, we bought another alcohol product recently. We acquired a company called Bougie, yeah. which is also a crazy story because that was the number one sold product in the bottle shop that I worked in. So swings and merry go around. How did you get presented with the opportunity to buy Bougie as a brand? So we knew, we knew the guys who had, so when we were working in the bottle shop, we knew the guys that owned it. Um, they were like, we were kind of in detail with them because we were like the number one selling pro- bottle shop of that product. And I guess it's because we loved the label. The marketing was awesome. So we were constantly pushing it. And there was like a bit of invested interest. The partner was friends, uh, sorry, uh, related to the guy. So then when we had that opportunity, so we kind of blew it up and scaled. We were like, well, we're looking at things to move forward. So we've got a whole bunch of stuff, which I'll go into afterwards, where we're growing, some really kind of cool and exciting stuff. But um, we were like, all right, well, this really fits with our uh, values, like of our brand 80 proof. So we're like, it's, it's cutting edge. It's solving a problem again. So obviously Wet Pussy is like, we're bringing the club back home. So we're kind of creating uh, pre-drinks and sort of encouraging that with this wine. The whole idea of this wine was basically, it's good wine for people without the time. So it was like kind of a millennial based wine that was for it was bougie without the bullshit was the whole catchphrase yeah so yeah, the idea yeah. was it's like hey i know you don't really understand wine you probably don't have the time to learn because you're a fucking like corporate whatever 
we've got these guys who are wine, ex- wine lovers and wine experts. They've bottled the best wine that they've found and they've done all the hard work for you. So you can grab this with like complete trust that you're going to deliver a good bottle to when you go out for dinner or whatever. So we were like, all right, well, a lot of these things align with our values um, and we love the brand. So we were just like sort of talk to them and had a conversation and he had experience too to be able to help us um, grow too. So we're like, oh, right, well, let's acquire this brand and let's bring them on to help us build their brand, but also to help us engage and build our other brand, if that makes sense. So right? when you did the deal to buy this brand, did you buy the brand for cash and take over the brand or did you, did you cut them into the equity of your previous so brand? We did, it was equity, equity and cash. Equity and cash, yeah I, like, yeah, I like it. So you just, cause that's a great way of doing it because one thing I know from, from, from big brands is the fact that when you start putting these alcohol brands together and packaging them together and start building, you know, 80% proof as a, as a, as a holding company and then you've got all these un- brands underneath them, yeah. you can flip them for a massive multiple to a, to a Delagio or, or, or some, someone like that yeah. down, down the track. I mean, I, I mean, you're at two mil, you're at two, you've gone zero to two mil on, on just a wet pussy brand alone. Now you've rolled in a wine brand. I presume you're going to roll in other brands along the track and apparel yeah, so and got, all, all this kind of stuff. Of course. We've got three um, flavors coming out yeah. um, before Christmas. So that'll be a part of the pussy brand. So yeah. I can say the names. There's like one's called Sour Puss, one's called Porn Star, but they're all sort of like, and then the other one's called uh, Hot Kitty. So they're all different kind of plays on the traditional club shop, but they're different flavor variations. So we're going to expand that brand. Obviously, the wine that comes will be bottled in five days. So we'll sort of start to sell that. Yeah. Um, and then we're working with a lot of... Because like obviously, we're working in entertainment. We've worked with a lot of like big DJs, celebrities, whatever. So we've got some really cool stuff coming up with collaborations with, with people that we've worked with. Or also, like, uh, other promoters and stuff. So we've been able to facilitate something that they've dreamed with. And we've become the distributor and the uh, producer of their product. And then they can kind of become the face and the marketing arm of it, if that makes sense. So, so, so are, you, are you talking about like when, when people put out products like uh, Fisher puts out Fizz and all that kind of stuff, Hard Fizz yeah, and stuff kinda. like that? Yeah, like that kind of, that, kinda, yes. that, kind, that kind of thing for people like him? Yeah, but like probably we're talking to a lot of like artist management, uh, festival companies, all different stuff like that. So we've got some really cool, exciting brands on the go. None of them have completely finalized yet, but... There's some cool stuff coming out for next year. But other than that, um, for us, it's like, as you said, like we're going to continue to create brands. Some of the brands we'll own ourselves. We'll do the marketing. It'll be, it'll be our brand. Then some of the brands we'll distribute and um, produce. But the big thing, man, for us is like, because everything blew up so quickly and we really knew how to handle it and sort of lasso it, we were able to go Australia-wide very, very quickly. So the, for us, when it came to the bougie thing, we were like, okay, cool. Well, we know they're making X amount of money um, a year at the moment. Our distribution network is times 10 what theirs was. Um, so we know that if we drop it in, if it gets picked up by times five of it, we're going to be able to times five that, five that profit. So that's where we are. It's like we're in a position that if something does align with what we're doing and it makes sense, we're able to grow it exponentially really quickly. Yeah. And all these things sound crazy because we've only been around five months, but this is the reality of the situation we are in. So it's, it's insane. But it's, fi- um, it's, it's 15 years of hard work from, from, from all these different avenues and all these different people and you're just bringing it all together and you're packaging it and you've done it differently and you, you've, got, you've got some phenomenal trademarks going. Like it's not, yeah. it's not, an, it's not an overnight success, but I can see us, when we, when we get the chance, we're going to sit down on a sofa and do a podcast either in Melbourne or Gold Coast or wherever we end up. But by that point, 
we're going to be talking about a 10, 20, 30 million dollar business. And then in the, in the years to come, when we come back to it in a couple of years, we could be talk, we could be talking at a sellout of 200 mil to a, to a, to a big player in the alcohol space. You, cause that's that, 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 that's, that's where this is going. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. Like, end of the day, like, we're just trying to, we're creating, um, our market with the wet pussy stuff doesn't exist. So we're trying to, we're almost like a pre we're almost trying to be the cruiser of like pre shots um, or pre drinks. And it's like, once we create that, someone's got to wear that hurt. So someone was going to buy something else and they bought our product instead. So we're almost in a disruptive business concept where we are trying to do that. Like, the idea is that if we can sell as much product and as much volume and as much um, leaderage as we possibly can, someone's going to have to notice what we're doing because they're going to start to see their own sales dwindling. And then for us, we look at it as like a large scale thing where it's like, all right, well, we can create and use all these relationships, use all these club connections, use all these entertainment slash um, artists that we've, we've relationships we've built for the last 15 years to, to create enough annoyance to a big brand. Like that's the major win for us. If that makes well, sense. if you look at, if you look at some of the big, big firms, I can't remember the name of the firm, but there's a big firm in the gold coast that sold out, um, it's it's brand was it Salt Bolter was it Bolter was it yeah right? man Stone and Wood just did for five hundred and fifty million yeah five hundred and fifty million I think I think Mick Fanning was involved in it I'd lo- I'd love to get Bolter, him on yeah, they, I, CUB bought I think it was like one fifty or something like that but yeah I'd, they sold. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love like, to get Mick on Mick on the podcast sometime. So maybe if you know one him, of, one of the big things with booze, which is awesome, is that um it's it stays forever. So it's like for argument's sake, like when you're growing yeah. up. You drink uh, Jaeger. People still drink Jaeger. Yeah, and like yes, it maybe is not as popular, but it's like it becomes a part of like a, uh, uh, people. It's like, iconic. Like, it's iconic. Yeah. And, and the nostalgic. I mean, if kids are, if kids are drinking this, not kids, but like if younger people are drinking this now, they'll they'll be they'll they'll, they'll be they'll be having it at parties later on down the track. You've got and, like, and, this, and, this and is wet pussy, vision, wet pussy like, as a brand. Exactly. So like our vision for it is like that. If it's your twenty first, you've got to have. Your cruisers, your beer, your champagne, your wine, and your shooters. Yeah, like that. That's our brand. Like that's how we vision yeah. ourselves in the market. And then again, man, it's like if it's your thirtieth, you're still going to do it because it reminded you of good times. So it's like if, when you're forty, you're still going to do it because it's like all your all the all the essentials, which is like beer, wine, spirit, shooters. Yeah, and like if you're going to have a party, so we want to fit in that line where we become a part of like that. Where anytime that you're going to have uh, a celebration, you want to you want to have make sure that you've got our products with you. Yeah, and so. And that's how we kind of look at ourselves like long term. It's like those things, again, going back to brand values, other than marketing, uh, solving a problem, sort of be, being on trend with the, what we're trying to achieve. It's that we want to be those core products that become pivotal parts in your life or your experience or development. But it's like, man, like bourbon drinkers, like people who are bourbon drinkers, they'll tell you 10 times they're bourbon drinkers. They love telling you they're bourbon drinkers. Yeah. And so that's the thing with the alcohol. It's like people, they're, there's a brand alignment, or again, like Crownies, which I don't know if you'd know what they are. Do you know what Crownies are? Nah, not a clue. <laughs> it's just like shit beer. It's like Foster's, but like more expensive. Right. And growing up, growing up in, as an Australian, like most people who'd listen to this podcast, they'd know what it was, but it was like, your dad only cracked them out when it was Christmas or it was like someone's birthday, yeah? So there's like pivotal parts of alcohol, which is celebration, and we want to become that for... Yeah, um, you want to become you want to become the the eighteenth party gift, the the twentieth party, the thirtieth twi- because you did drink it. Back yeah, then yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it, it was fun. Yeah, and like nostalgic now. So that's what we want to be and where we want to sit. I, 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 me personally, I can't, I can't see how with the amount of noise that's going to be made in this space by you in the next twelve months, I can't, I can't see how a big, and a big, a big one doesn't come come in and try and. and dr- try and just take you out by buying you and acquiring you because it, it's it's quicker to acquire you because the trade the trademarks yeah, you've got 
the, the most valuable thing is not just it's not just the execution on what you've done, but it's like you've got the trademarks to 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 a phenomenal brand name, and that yeah. e- and the equity within that name, and it's not like they can no one else can go and use that name now. Do you know what nah. I mean? Even like, fast, man. Like so, some of the majors have an issue with the name. Obviously, the name's pussy, so it's controversial, right? So we're arguably the kind of situation we went with them is that this is this is cultural, like this has been around for twenty years. Yeah. And some of them were like, Yeah, I understand that. But so that's where we focused on not just not just the name, we focused on the colour. So like the colour we were so specific on and like we we put it on everything. It's like make sure that it's like a real focal point. And sometimes like the cat, we have this cat symbol. So that cat symbol has become such a focal point because the idea for us is that if you see that cat or you see that color, you want to think of us. Yeah. And so yeah, we yeah, want to get yeah, to a yeah. point where our branding, our color and our logo is, is just as influential or um, as that name. So then we can transfer into it. So if a major does go, look, that doesn't work for us. We're like, well, we can just put the logo on it. It doesn't need to have the name. Yeah. It's, like, it's, the, same, so it's the same with what Troy Candy's done with the snorkel. It's like, was there snorkels that went into alcohol bottles before Troy Candy? Yes. Was yeah. there, is there other, is there copies of Troy Candy snorkels? Absolutely. Everywhere in China's pushing them out. People are selling them. But people want a snorkel with a Troy Candy brand on it. The blinged up Troy Candy snorkel. Li- but because, because. Having a Troy Candy lifestyle. Is, sorry. Yeah. Having a Troy Candy snorkel is a lifestyle. Yeah. 100%. And that's the same with us. It's like we want to be a lifestyle product in the sense that if you're going away with friends and you're going to celebrate, it's like this is what you need to have because this is, this is a part, a pinnacle part of that celebration. So, yeah, I, and again, man, it goes, we talked about how, you were saying how I looked at the comments and the start, like whatever. It's like, for us, it's like a brand isn't just like, oh, this looks good. Let's push it out. Like a brand is everything. Like a brand is like. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. It's, it's emotional. A brand has to be emotional. And the thing is, again, going back to that whole, I've learned over 16 years is like when I do club nights, man, like I've had really successful club nights. Some of the most, not some of the most. Yes. Well, some of the most successful club nights across the board, not once, five times. Yeah. And like some of these things have been iconic club nights in Melbourne that have developed careers that have gone on to be worldwide, all kinds of stuff, right? The thing is that I've always done and why I've been so successful in that space was that I was able to put myself in the people who wanted to go their shoes. So I was like, how do I, I create that. something? I love that. How do I, how do I create something that I, these people want to see? So like I'm 34 now and I've been doing this since I was 19 and, and people would be like, are you gonna, you're going to age out of it. And I'm like, well, no, because I understand the fundamentals that these kids they like, for argument's sake, leopard print. They like this type of music. They like ha- house music. They like, uh, like whatever it is. So I'm, I'm able to adapt to be like, well, if I was their age, and I was once, and I want, and this is what I listen to, and this is the, sort of the trends and whatever. It's like, what would I want to be submerged, submerged in? What would I want to experience? And it's like, if I then create that product for them, it works every single time. So it's but, like, it's, it's got to be everything. It's got to be the name, the feeling, the, the identity. Like, there's so much more to it than just being like, uh, um, oh, cool! This is a cool name. Let's see if it works. It's yeah. not. It's not only listening though. It's asking. It's yeah, like sure. you're not only listening and thinking about what you think you want, but when you find out what you think they want, you you go and ask, and yeah, then and, sure. then and then that's how you're. And then and then and then as soon as you get enough response to say yeah, that's good. Then you then then you go and try it. That the 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 issue with a lot of people is not just the not trying. It's like there's a lack of three. There's a lack of free. Th- 
freedom of thought for a start to think bigger than what the, than where they're at at the moment. Then there's the lack of application to ask the question, ask a bigger question of of the people that they've got access to. And then there's the application of putting that thing into place when you've got all those three things in in, in place anyway. There's also people don't want to hear the answer. So it's like if if I think that this is the best thing for this audience, and then someone tells me no, I don't think it is, then they're like, well, fuck you, like I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've wrapped their ego in it. Hundred, and that's like we see, especially in the promotion industry. It's like you get these guys that are really, really good. They're twenty-one. They really understand that market because they are that market. But when they're twenty-five, they can't pivot out of it. Yeah. It's like at one point, I was doing like psytrance, techno, house, commercial music, dance music, R and B, Aussie hip hop shows all the time. And people are like, "How are you able to do that?" And I'm like, "Well, because I understand the market of these guys. So I'd hang out with them, or I'd or I'd watch all their cultural stuff. Because at the end of the day, man, like." You wear Nike because you believe in what Nike believes in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a culture. Yeah. You, you wear whatever you do, every single thing you do, you buy. You buy Red Bull because you believe in Red Bull as a culture. So it's like all mate. these products you grab actually build your, your, your personality without you knowing it. So if you can understand that and then you can turn whatever your product is, regardless if it's fucking gum, tampons or alcohol, you can understand the culture or how to, how to get into that culture and make yourself a predominant part of that person. It's like you'll succeed every, every single day of the week, no doubt about it. I'll give, I'll give you an example of exactly what you're talking about, right? When, when, I, when, when I heard Ronaldo was going to Manchester City, I got physically upset, right? Because <laughs> I grew up in the era of the 1999 Man United team with Beckham, Sheringham, Solskjaer, Scholes, Giggsy, Peter Schmeichel, Yapstam, Roy Keane, Nicky Butt, all that stuff, right? So I had that as a kid, Love right? <laughs> right? And then Ronaldo came along and, and, and Ferguson created this whole team around this young, fucking hungry Portuguese player. And, and I, had, I watched him at Old Trafford twice and I saw him at Peterborough United twice. And I passed, one time the ball went out for a throw-in and I passed Ronaldo the ball, right? And I was fucking two metres away from Ronaldo. Powerful moment in my young life, right? And when I was, it physically made me feel ill when I thought of him wearing a Man City shirt, right? And then, and then, he, and then I heard he's going to Man United. Instantly, because I'd heard he's going to Man United, and when I saw him in the Man United shirt, even though I don't wear fucking football shirts, I don't wear. I want to buy a Man yeah. United Ronaldo shirt because of the feeling that that brand and that and that had to me in my childhood, and that 100%. that is branding. That is branding. They because, emotion. Like you, they've yeah. evoked emotion in you, and then now you want to be a part of it. Hundred percent. I want to. Mate, I don't. I, I used to check the see how Man United were doing maybe once a month. You know, mate. I'm checking like last night. They 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 they, they, they took a last minute goal in the Champions League, and 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 they got turned over. And I watched I watched all the highlights of Ronaldo's first two goals on his debut, and and that's just because. That that those moments and, and and that time brings such a feeling with inside myself that that I want to be invested in that again. I want to feel that again because yeah, I know I how much that, that feels. And that that is the essence of what branding is, and that's what you've that's what you're going to create with Wet Pussy and with your other brands, and you and you wrapping it around a feeling. And then even if other brands copy it but can't use the name, but they use a different name, it won't have the same feeling because when 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 Tracy went out at 18 years old into fucking centre of Melbourne and got free Wet Pussy shots. That's the thing. You can't. You've got wet pussy as a brand. You can't. Yeah. And you you own the club that she consumed it in. It's like it's it's a no brainer, mate. It's fucking gold. It's fucking yeah, it's gold, 100%. man. 
It's gold branded. Thing, man, like I, I've always like read a lot, and like one of the biggest things is always like if you can separate yourself from the situation, look from the outside in. Yeah. Then you won't make mistakes and decisions on your ego. So that's where I've always felt like that's been a skill set for me. Is like okay, pulling myself out and being like, how do I create? How do I create exactly what you just explained? How do I make yeah. Tracy eighteen go yeah. at thirty? Oh fuck yeah! I used to drink them. Like yeah, oh, I need to taste that again. As soon as she has that sip of that alcohol, she's like. That takes me straight back to that club I used to go to when I was 19. Yeah, and like, so, and that's, I attribute that exact same thought process and everything I've ever done from events I've done, the barbecue events to food truck carnivals to fucking nightclub nights, like whatever I've ever done. I'm like, how do I evoke this motion or memory to make sure that this becomes something that continues on to that person's psyche, yeah? 100%, mate. I mean, a lot of people won't be expecting me, of all people, to do the podcast with you on alcohol and alcohol brands because I don't drink alcohol. I've never drunk it, yeah. right? Never even tried alcohol, right? Crazy. So so it's, it, it's crazy for me to do this podcast in some people's minds, but but it's not because I understand the psychology of 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 growing up in society where people drink alcohol. I understand the branding play that you've played, I, I I fucking I love the fact that you've got this trademark. I see this business as a phenomenal business that can flip into a massive multiple with a big alcohol company. What you what you're doing? I I just see such a big. Not only that, you, I think you've done a phenomenal thing, but like I just see the, I I see all these things and there's so many learnings. If if people don't understand how many learnings there are in this podcast to this point, and how many how many things you've gone from you've gone from. Uh, you're taking yourself from one environment to a better environment you've bettered yourself you've you've fucked you've wasted shitloads of money you've saved it you've invested you've put everything on the line you flipped out and then over a culmination of years 15 fucking years i might say of you making constant mistakes but also understanding that the values in your network you've put together You've, you didn't even realize you were doing it at the time. You probably had a little bit of a subconscious thing, but you're putting together all these pieces on this chessboard to be able to pull together into a brand that's going to absolutely kill it across Australia, mate. It's phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. It's funny, man. Like one thing I reckon you really appreciate and love, but I, I always say to people, so I'd lose, say I'd do an event and I'd lose 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, fuck. And then people are like, are you shattered? I'm like, mm, you spend more than that to go to uni. So I'd always look at like a loss rather than looking at a loss like money lost. I'd be like, well, I paid to learn that lesson. So like it's almost 100%. an investment in my future. So I'd be like, lost five grand. Well, I lost five grand, but I, I made a mistake here, here and here that I'm not going to make again. Yes. So it's like I look at those losses as a financial investment into my self-development to become a better business person. 100%. And then pe- most people look at that and they're like, I failed. I, I'm ego. My ego's damaged. I'm never going to do a business again. I put someone out, whereas I'm like, well, it's, you, you would spend that on a self-help course or you would spend that on um, a university or a TAFE course. So, like, why not spend that on yourself to make those mistakes? Mate, right. It's like if it, there's, there's plenty of courses that teach you how to build things, right? Mm. And I, I, I've had a culmination the last few years thinking to myself, why would I build that when I can when I can buy someone who's already built it, but it just needs it just needs to be lightened up it's like yeah it's like i've got my i've got my podcast youtube channel and i I thought the other day i thought fuck i've got this youtube channel it took me ages to get to like a thousand subscribers and then on from that took me ages fucking ages takes you a long time to build things Mm. but i thought to myself i'll just i I wonder if there's any place that sells youtube channels or does this or does that and i just looked around and i thought fuck me you can buck and buy a youtube channel that does motivational content that's been fucking going since, since going for, for, from 2013. You can buy them. 
So I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I just, I just, I could just literally buy, I can literally just buy audiences and buy, and buy ears, obviously, obviously, and then, and then put in place a video creator and this, that, and the other, and just give them free license. And, 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 and then I can monetize it a certain way and I can put affiliate links in there. And it's just like, I've just, my mindset's opened so much since I come yeah. to Australia in the last seven years in the development that I've had. It's like, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm opened up. There's so many different ways that you can make money if you just think 100%. outside the box. Especially in Australia. It's, it, mate, because when the sun's out, you feel better, you have better fucking ideas. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. You have better yeah. ideas when the sun's out. If you, if, if I'm telling you now, mate, if if you'd been locked down for 250 days in the grey, cold, and wet in England, it's a different conversation. You probably wouldn't have thought about about yeah. this wet <laughs> pussy shot. You'd have been thinking, "Fucking our life's over, mate." Yeah, yeah. It mate, it makes a huge. You, the environment is is the killer. We're so we're so lucky here. We're so lucky. Yeah, with also, a lot of opportunity because we're a young country. Yeah, and so like we don't have old money and stuff. So it's like you, you can be me. You can be the guy who grew up with a family that was living like sort of um, broken home and and sharing bedrooms with your brother, like with no carpet, and then become a guy that can continue to succeed. Whereas like in other countries, I don't think it's as easy as that. Whereas here, it's like even if you don't want to be that, you can legit come to Australia, work fucking hard for, for, as a tradie, as a chippy, for four years and buy your first home and, and sort yeah. of start to work your way in that rank. So it's like hard work in Australia and good ideas really, really get paid forward. Like you're able to, it's, it's a really great place for growth. And we don't have these giant multi-million dollar people who have been around for a thousand years. It's like everyone's new, really. Like we're, we're yeah. a 200-year-old country. Yeah? And so it literally is like the land of opportunity, really. Mate, it, it, it is, and it's like the, the days of thinking you have to go to America is like, it's like, yeah, you can go there and you can do bits, but you can do bits any, anywhere you are. Even if you're in England, if you listen to this, even if you're in America, even if you're in Sweden listening to this, like you can just create and carve opportunities out anywhere you so choose. But the only thing that has to, the only thing you might have to change is the people you're surrounded with. Yeah, sure. because if you're if you're thinking that you can't do this or there's things that you can't do that tells me straight away that you uh, need to cut a few people out of your life and ch- chop in a few new ones go and make a few go and put yourself in the position that where you feel fucking hell like i don't like uh, I, I, I you know out of your comfort zone to meet these new people to go and to go and make these new connections it's like well there's a famous saying man it's like your net worth is your network yeah and like um, and that's 100% true. Like, the more that I met other dudes like me and entrepreneurial guys, it's like everything becomes easier and easier and easier and easier. And I look back at, like, when I was 19 or 20, had these great, awesome ideas, and I never did anything with them. And now it's like there's not an idea in my head that I couldn't somehow connect the pieces together and actually get up and going if I wanted to. It's up to me if I want to. But um, it's t- because... T- tell, them, can- t- tell, tell the audience about, about when you contacted me. So I was basically had a few beers, and I was just like... I, I was listening to your podcast during the day and then I like kind of messaged you and I was like, Hey mate, like love your content, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like I've got a pretty cool story to tell you. Um, like let's chat. And then I woke up in the morning and went to unsend it, but Frankie had already seen it before, <laughs> I, before I did it. <laughs> yeah. Because, 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 because it's those kind of moments, mate, that can change the course. It's like, I'd seen it. I thought, here's a guy who listens to my podcast. He's doing good things. He's, he's, he's in the alcohol space. He's in the nightclub space. Like you, there's a good chance you're not going to see me in a fucking nightclub because I don't yes. go to them, right? There's a good chance you're not going to see me drinking alcohol because I've never fucking drank it, right? But I, but just, but just because, just because I don't do something doesn't mean I don't see the value in the content and the learnings from that, and I'm not open-minded enough 
to understand what 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 you're trying to articulate and 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 mate, I fuck I fucking love this story. I mean, I, I mean, I'm even to the point where I like. I'd actually like. I don't. I'm not going to try it. But I'm like thinking to myself, "Fuck, I'm going to." Honestly, I hope this is one of the most hyped podcasts for your brand that you ever do. But yeah, I, I ain't never going to try the product. But I'm just. I <laughs> but I can just see the. I can just see the kind of how the feeling it would create in in certain people. But the the reason I, I think got a lot of the things that I've said is like it shouldn't just be about just alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Like you can use this in bottled water condoms what like jelly whatever you can think of yeah so i think for me it's like my story is actually a story of marketing not alcohol per se yeah and like yeah. yes it's a line that ran along um with me the whole time but it's um it's it, there's more to it than just just the actual product that's in there which is insane to say but it's true like there's so much more in in any product is the packaging is almost as important if not more important than what's actually inside it but but let's but yeah 100 percent. and let's just put it in another context right there's there's two things that are that, well there's, a, there's something i've learned from this and there's i think there's something danny's learned from this danny's learned at the end of the day you 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 ask don't go and send don't go and send the message if you want to if you want to speak to someone who want to do something just fucking put it out there into the aura and it will happen if it's meant to happen you know next thing you know me and danny are on me and danny are on the phone we're connected we're having banter on the phone we're doing a podcast it's the same it's the same thing with me i've not i've not gone and just dismissed it because it's an alcohol brand i'm i'm fucking i'm my mind's open i'm open to doing these to 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 doing and learning these things and and i want to i want to meet more more entrepreneurs like danny that are just just hustled you know from zero to two million dollars inside four months from the biggest thing man is if the the the, the biggest mis- sorry the the biggest mistakes lost are the ones you never asked for. So it's like the reality of it is like if you don't if you're too afraid to ask somebody um, to catch up and talk like what we did yeah you know like yeah. or you're too afraid just to hit someone up and be like hey can you give me some advice on this or yeah. you're too afraid to ask somebody whatever it is it's like they're the biggest opportunities missed like there's more risk in not asking that than there is in in um, than asking if that makes sense because yeah because you're going to get more reward out of of actually taking the plunge and saying. Hey, like, let's link up. Let's have a chat. Let's like, let me talk about, tell you my story, or or let me talk, uh, pick your brain about something you've done before. Like, and most people, man, in these situations, and you know it yourself. It's like, no matter who you talk to, how successful they are, nine times out of ten, unless they're a, a fucking asshole, they're gonna go, yeah, yeah, cool, let's chat. Like, and I get people hit me up yeah. on Insta all the time. They're like, hey, man, like with the music stuff, I've started doing music. I really want to talk to you. I don't think you'll reply to this. I'm like. Why would I not? I'm sitting on my couch. Of course, I'm gonna fucking reply to you. That's the thing that you blockade you put in your own head. Yeah, and like, and then some of those dudes we end up signing, and like, they've got millions of plays now. Like, so these are things that, as I said, like the biggest, big, the biggest mistake you can make is not asking a question. Mate, you've 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 hit you've hit you've hit the nail you've hit the nail on the head there. It's just it's just guys, you got to you got to be open to asking the questions. At the end of the day, right? I've just made a contact here, and when I when I'm you know in the future in twelve months time when I feel like I've got even bigger listenership and this, that and the other, I'm going to be saying to Danny, like, Danny, how, how do I go about, how do I go about setting up a, setting up a tour or, or a podcast night uh, in a venue and all this stuff? Cause I won't know the answers, but Danny will know the answers and he'll give me the answers because, and he'll probably be able to help me do it because of a byproduct of, of, you know, I'm helping him. He's helping me. Do you know what I'm saying? That That's how the world goes round. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're both not open-minded enough for Danny to message and me to answer, because just once you remove all the ego and all the and all that you can think yourself out of something is what i'm trying to say you can think yourself out of something and i'm guilty of it too i think everybody is but like the mistake is that don't like back yourself in 
back it back back yourself in but just give me give people a brief overview of, of this music company and what you're doing in that space I've always worked in music, so I've always done, worked with labels. So I used to work with Eric Powell and um, Carl Cox's label, Bush Records, so when yeah. I first started when I was younger, so at A&R. So A&R is basically what I do is I find artists, young guys, and I'll sign them to big label, bigger labels. I did that for a while, then I did my own label. It was called Say What Records. We did really well, but unfortunately we closed down because myself and the partners had different visions and we sort of couldn't agree, so we ended up collapsing it. I stopped for five years. I didn't do it for five years. Yeah. Um, and then when I had hit that point that I spoke about earlier, that T intersection, I was like, well, I want to continue to do this. So now I own after a label called Teamwork Records and I own two of my own labels, so Brotherhood Records and Seven Reason Records. So I do that too and we work with some really big artists. So Mars Wolf, he, he like, has one of the number one songs in the world. He works under our label. Um, like Joel Fletcher, um, Melbourne, who's another uh, really good emerging artist It's sort of starting yeah. to hit those millions now so we've got a really great caliber of artists but for me i'm just constantly so the other way around is like i'm looking for people to listen to like so when someone hits me up they've just skipped one jump like i don't have to find them they've they've put they've put it forward to me and i'll watch them and another thing i'll do a lot is i'll help develop them so i'll be like cool man like i really think this is good but i can tell you recorded this in your garage um this is probably a bit weak like send me your next song keep going keep going keep going and then it's like as I see them coming up, I'm like, well, it's in my best interest to, to introduce you to the label. I think you're almost there. Let's, let's polish you from 80 to 100%. Yeah, and like, how can I do that? We'll put you in contact with this guy. Maybe he can make your beats and stuff like that. So these people exist, but effectively I'm a scout from, for, um, for labels, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. And it's just, it's just everything that you're talking about and everything you're aligning with is all to do with, okay, I'm passionate about music. I'm passionate yeah. about about nightlife I'm passionate about people having experiences so I'll have an alcohol brand I'll have a nightclub and I'll, have a, I'll do the music label stuff it's, it's funny man because you encompass it all so like the, realistically what I love is creating moments or like fun for people so even when I was younger like I always wanted to be the life of the party I wanted to run to have the best party so for me it's like that's what I want I want people I want to create good times so be that music alcohol events whatever it is it's like they all encompass the one thing so it's like I'm really passionate about making sure that people have great times and creating memories like that's what i'm actually passionate about because as i said i I think about morality and i sit there and i go well i want to create these moments that people think about when they're 80 years old going fuck how good was that event or how good was that experience yeah yeah they all encompass each other so when i'm thinking of things i want to do it's like well do do does this align with my good times mentality that i want to create memories for people yes it does bang i'm going to keep going with it yeah yeah, hundred percent, mate. I, I love it. If the, if there was like one piece of advice you had to check out, Danny, like if you're checking out the planet tomorrow, mate, and there's one piece of advice you couldn't leave nothing else, but you just had to leave a piece of advice, a piece of wisdom that you could drop on the ears of of, of the people on this podcast and, and the people around the world that could impact them and help them empower them to go further in their mindset and their life. What would it be? The things would be that you're never you're you're never stuck in a circumstance. So like just because you did a course for four years doesn't mean you have to do something you hate forever. Um, you can break those chains, be it family chains, be it work chains, be it whatever. You, you, you are the driver of your own destiny. You can continue to move off and veer off and do whatever you need to do. But also, like we've talked about earlier, like the biggest piece for me is like change your own circumstance by hanging out with better people. And that's just not just friends. Like if your family is in that situation, which it was for me, it's like if you have to then move away from them for a bit to kind of create your own journey and, and step away from their destiny that's sort of been written from you because of that, do it. Because at the end of the day, it's like you've got full control of your future. 
you can do whatever you want, you can achieve whatever you want, but you've got to make sure that you're, make, you're willing to be uncomfortable every now and then to, get to, to ensure that you are comfortable down the track. So that would probably be the two biggest pieces of advice that I could give someone. I love it, Danny. I love it. Be okay with being uncomfortable. I I, I, I resonate with it entirely, mate. And I just want to say, like, thank you for your time, mate, coming on the podcast, man, and dropping, dropping. You've dropped some killer things on marketing, branding, aligning, breaking patterns, flipping perspectives in your life, fucking changing situations, coming back from nothing. Like, there's a a lot of learnings in this for a lot of the people on the come up that just want to just, you know, hustle and create something. And also, a lot of people that, that, that... I've enjoyed your brand, but probably don't know that that you're behind it as well. I think that's that's very key and important for your audience to understand you as a as a brand owner and why and why you do what you do and 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 that love comes through in the products and and stuff that you do, mate. It's, it's been phenomenal. Before yeah, we go, um, can you just drop all your all like your Instagrams, websites, and all that stuff so that people can follow you? And I'll also tag them in the description of the podcast. Cool. Yeah. So like, effectively, I've got a whole bunch of stuff, but the, probably the easiest way to find it is my own personal one. So that's at doomsday underscore Danny. Um, then we have like www.wetpussyshot.com.au. That's the website for that. www.80proof.com.au is uh, our overarching company. And then from there, you'll be able to kind of navigate and find out anything else. But if you ever do want to find something out or ask me a question, just feel free to hit me up because I always answer. So. Mate, no, no, and and mate, uh, same with me. Like people can't believe that I answer my DMs on certain things and certain questions they ask, and I send people voice notes and all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, never, never get, never get away from the, get away from the fact that you know, like two two years ago, mate, I was on six thousand followers. You know what I mean? Uh, like it doesn't cost anything to do that, man. Mate, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything. It's 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 a no brainer. Um, you don't know where these people that that maybe some people would perceive less than you at this time or not in a position that you're in are going to be in the future. So just be kind to everybody. Kind, kindness kill, kill, kills everything, you know what I mean? I always think about that, man, heaps of times. Like, I don't even remember. So like artists I've worked with, they're like, dude, you're the first person who gave me feedback on, on this stuff and now I'm this travelling artist around Australia. I'm just like, fuck, I don't even know I did that. But that happens all the time. So like, that's yeah. a good lesson in itself is that the amount of times I'll message someone and then I, I find out that they've become this huge success and they're like, thank you for replying to me. I'm like, that motivated me to do this. It's like, yeah. the fuck that, I'm so happy I could be a part of that journey even though I don't remember it. Yeah, well, you, but- you never know what position someone's, someone's in in yeah, life, you know or, what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, and how they're feeling and what they're dealing with in their life. It's like, it's even times when when people are like, ah, oh, you know, Frankie's killing it with this, killing it with that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm missing my family. And it's just like a little kind comment from a stranger in a lift can just change your whole day. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone's going through that. Everyone's going through their struggles. Will Sparks goes through struggles. Example, the rapper goes through struggles. I go through struggles. Danny goes through struggles. Every man and his dog's going through struggles in, in different aspects of their life. And it's just, it's just, if you operate from a point of understanding that, that this other person you don't know what they're going through so let's just let's just be kind it kind of it kind of kills everything like it's, there's a lot of negativity in the world at the moment but you don't need to be part of it yeah one million percent man but mate much love thank you so much for for coming on the podcast and guys do do me and danny a solid favor on this right first things first man there's no cost of entry to listening to this podcast however if we've given you the value that I think you're going to get from this podcast, if me and Danny have instilled some value, instilled some methods in your life that's going to take you further, 
just send me and Danny a message. Let us know that we've we've impacted you in some way. That that we would both appreciate that. Obviously, for our Instagrams, send us a DM. We read them all. Share this content with your friends. Tell other people about it because, it, like, there's no there's no ads on this podcast. There's no there's no bullshit. You're not being sold anything. This is just all pure value. If you've got any value out of it, like I'm passionate about, like Danny's passionate about coming here and giving up his time to do this. Just please, just share it with as many people as possible. Share it on your Instagram stories. Share it on Facebook. Share it. Put it in groups, man. I just want to. I honestly believe that this podcast is one of the best podcasts in Australia, and you know, I just need your help to share this message with as many people as possible. And and all I can promise you in in response to that is the fact that I'll keep delivering more and more value, and I'll keep getting guests like Danny to drop these stories in your ears to inspire you to be more, do more, break patterns, flip perspectives in your life. That is all I've got to say. Thank you again, Danny, for coming on here, and much love to all of you guys. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, drop it. Much love. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast. <laughs>